get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone, and happy Hump Day! It's Hump Day <laughs> on 101 ESPN. We're at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Smallman and Carriker, Carriker and Smallman. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Great to have you with us for the next three hours here on 101 ESPN. And uh, another great day of sports. A lot of things to talk about. Yadier Molina, Randy, officially returning back to the Cardinals. Isn't that great? Finally, it's it's complete and we don't have to worry about it anymore. And spring training starting a week from tomorrow or no a week from today and so uh yeah we should be really really excited about yadi coming back if we're yadi fans and if you're a cardinal fan just because yeah. i think that he brings a certain intensity to this team when you look at what their strengths are their strength is going to be pitching in defense this year two things yadi or Molina can certainly help this team with michelle Real Muto was a free agent. Why did they get him? <laughs> That's true, Randy. Are you coming at me with no picture on your Twitter avatar? Yeah, you're, totally. You're just an egg coming at me. Got it. Yeah, he signs a one-year deal for $9 million and yesterday met with the media via Zoom and was asked what the deciding factors were in coming back to St. Louis. Obviously, obviously um, the city, I mean, the franchise, uh, the teammates, all the coaching staff, Every, all, all those players, uh, the teammates, like I say, the teammates, um, they want me back. I, I want to be back here. Obviously, the free agency is a process. I mean, you go there and it's a process. I mean, it's a slow process. This year was slow. But you understand that. But like I said before, I mean, my mind was, San Luis was my first choice. You never go wrong by saying the city first. Oh, absolutely. After we spoke to Polo Asensio, who interviewed Yachty and talked about this free agent process with him, after we had that conversation with him, that's when I was convinced that he was coming back because Polo shared with us that he was talking to Yachty prior to all of this going down. And Yachty said he did not want Cardinals fans to be angry mm-hmm. with him, that he wanted to maintain that relationship with them. And I thought if that's something that's so important to him and that's at top of mind for him, knowing that this could be his last year or his last years, he'll want to have that goodbye at Bush Stadium. He'll want to have that moment. It is clear that he didn't have a two-year contract offered, which to me means that the days of multi-year contracts for Yadier Molina are over. He's he's going year to year now. If somebody would have offered a two-year contract, he would have jumped on it, right? Because he said, I'll retire or I'll play two more years. Well, he didn't really get his way. I wonder, though, if the two-year contract would have come for a t- from a team that was not a desirable location for him, if he still would have taken a one-year deal to return to the Cardinals. Good question. 
because I, I get the sense that he really does want to play, right? I do too, but I also know that he wants to win. Yeah. And at this stage of his career, do you really want to go somewhere where you're, it's not competitive and you don't hold the same juice that you have? And even though you have a two-year deal, you can't necessarily wield power the way that you do here to get the playing time you want if the numbers aren't there. But I guess logically speaking, too, a team that's not competitive, let's just throw the Pirates out there, okay. they aren't going to spend the money on a two-year contract for a guy like Yadier Molina. Absolutely. Great point. We know that Yadi loves to play, so how much does he plan on playing in 2021? I can I can respond to that because I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready for whatever uh, shoot he need me. You guys talk to him. Uh, we talk to him, too. We're going to be on the same page. Uh, we got to be smart about that. At the same time, I'm going to be there helping those young guys to get better. Somebody had a discussion before he signed. Sure. And do you think that both of them being on the same page is that page Yachty wants to play every day? It's February 10th. On February 9th, they were on the same page. Yeah. By the time we get to June 2nd, probably not as much. I'm sure. But... I like that he led off his answer saying, I'm going to be ready. He knows that he's putting in the work and that physically he's going to be ready to go. And I do not envy Mike Schilt to be in no. that position because while you need to be the manager and do what's best for your team and give Yadi a spell or also and or help a young player like Andrew Kisner get the reps that he needs to develop. I don't want to tell Yadi no, do you? No, no. I don't. And I, I want to throw some perspective out here because... My daughter, for example, is 23. This is going to be Yadi's 18th season. She doesn't remember Cardinal baseball without Yadi or Molina behind wow. the plate. And she's a big fan and has been for a long time. She doesn't remember Cardinal baseball without Yadi or Molina as the catcher. He's caught for more than half of your life. Yes, that's incredible. It's unbelievable that he's still playing at the level he is, which isn't the level that he enjoyed five years ago. But to be able to get out there every day, at his age, and as we talked about yesterday, with as many miles are on that body, it's remarkable. While the offensive numbers might not be where they once were, he's still an impact player on your team in so many different ways. He can still be such a threat defensively. He still has the endurance needed to be a day-in and day-out catcher. And think about, I mean, we've talked about this all the time, the impact that he has on your pitching staff. Right. He's so valuable to you still. And he says he's going to work with the young catchers, which is good to hear. I hope that that is the case. And my guess is that the Cardinals probably during the course of this negotiation said, hey, we've got two young catchers that we, maybe three, that we would like to have you help out with. Because Carson Kelly, you go back to him, I don't think there was a, a, a high level at least if you listen to Carson Kelly, of help that was forthcoming from Yachty. So hopefully there will be more interaction rather than just, okay, watch what I do. And he might be more amenable to that now because he realizes I have a one-year deal and mm -hmm. maybe I'll get another one-year deal. But he knows that he's not going to be the long-term solution for the Cardinals, so he might be more open to helping out in, in those ways. And maybe he has been all along, but... I would imagine whatever percent he was helping before might be ratcheted up this season. Your St. Louis Blues are off until Friday with all of the COVID issues that are plaguing the National Hockey League. Minnesota, Colorado hit by COVID issues. The Blues are going to play in Arizona now on Friday, Saturday. I guess Saturday if necessary, right? At game six of the series. 
This is like a bad fever dream. <laughs> it is, yeah. So back-to-backers on Friday and Saturday, and then they'll play at Arizona on Monday. So it'll be a seven-game series against the Coyotes during the season. And it's not as if the Blues were killing it during these first no. few games with the, with the Yotes. So it just is exhausting that they have to play Arizona again. And but they ho- get to practice their special teams, Michelle. Oh, great. Looking forward to that. <laughs> so Friday night, 7 o'clock pregame show. Saturday night, 6 o'clock pregame show here on 101 ESPN. And then Monday afternoon, a 2 o'clock pregame show. Have, is that President's Day? I guess it is. On huh? Monday, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll be here. Happy, yeah, we will. <laughs> Not a notable day for us. But yeah, let me double check. Confirmed. President's Day. All right. Uh, so happy President's Day, Chris Zimmerman, and build it with the third. There you go. We got to get them both on on President's Day. We should. It'll be fun. Those are our presidents <laughs> in the sports world. Yeah, they are. Locally. Coach Craig Berube now doing a weekly hit in the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Joined the boys yesterday and talked about the Blues and the way they're playing against Arizona. Well, definitely. That's that's the whole thing is closing them out quickly a lot quicker than we are. I think we're giving them too much respect. And, um, you know, we gotta we got to be a lot harder on them. And I thought that last game we were. I thought that, you know, from a physical standpoint, um, we were more, way more physical than we have been against them. And we've got to continue to do that. And you know, I think we'll have better success. That tells me that that horse is out of the barn. If the Blues feel like they have to give Arizona more respect that means that they need to respect them and Arizona was never even though they've handled the Blues pretty well yeah from a league standpoint the Blues and the Coyotes weren't in the same league but Colorado Arizona's got a lot of really good players and I I would think now that if he has to say we're giving them too much respect that means they better start respecting them Sure, but don't you think this all circles back to the Blues beating the Blues yeah you know it's all a mindset thing everything that that Craig Ruby has been talking about for the past few weeks has been about effort. It's been about mindset. It's been about intensity. All of those are controllable factors. But now the way, what I'm meaning is Arizona feels like they're as good as the blues now. Oh, as they should after, yeah. after these past few games. So maybe the blues need to up as we've talked with them about them a lot. They need to match other teams intensity. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they've forgotten. They won the Stanley cup and they still have a target. It's almost as like the bubble still has residue on them in some way. Yeah, because, it does. Because prior to that, we saw a team who wasn't lacking any of the factors that we saw coming out of the Stanley Cup championship. Yeah. And then it's that, that bubble experience did a number on some of these guys. No doubt. And one final note and a sad note. I know you've heard the story about Britt Reed, the son of Andy Reed and the outside linebackers coach for the Chiefs. He's been placed on administrative leave following the three-car accident that he was involved in on Friday night. The Chiefs say we remain in the process of gathering information and will continue to assist local authorities as requested. And Andy Reid said this week that Britt Reid underwent surgery, but wasn't more specific about what the surgery entailed. Such a horrible situation. Yeah. And obviously thoughts and prayers to the young girl who was involved in this and who remains in critical care and her family. I can't even imagine. No, it's it's a terrible story. All right, you're off and running here with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is a Wednesday morning, and that means Ask Uncle Randy is in the house. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, or if you'd like to leave a, a mic drop, a- Uncle Randy is more than happy to answer your question, whatever it might be about. 
Ask Uncle Randy coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right. Uh, we welcome your questions. I'm more than happy to answer your questions because I have all the answers. I'm Uncle Randy. Michelle is here with the, your text, 65780. If you want to leave us a mic drop, you can do that, too. We're on the social media. Uh, even Uncle Randy is on the on the Insta at Randy Carricker, And Michelle is on the Insta and the Twitter at M. Smallman. Correct. And I'm, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Randy Carricker. So there you have all of that information. But, Michelle, I know that uh, the people have questions. The peeps need some advice, Randy. All right. From the 636, Randy, my girlfriend and I moved in together right before quarantine hit. During that time, there was nothing to do, so we binged a lot of shows together. It ended up being a fun ritual that we had. We popped popcorn, we would make a fire, and we would watch shows for hours. It really brought us together. Now, with sports back, we aren't spending as much time together after work because I'll settle in and watch a game. My girlfriend watches games with me, but on nights when there aren't games, she wants me to watch a show with her, most notably The House wives i have no interest in this and she gets bummed out what should i do all right this is the natural progression of a relationship and especially when one started as yours did with a pandemic and with no sports but understand that as life goes on and if you should get married she is going to continue to enjoy watching the real housewives watching things on hallmark channel and liking what she likes that might not be sports. And you aren't going to stop liking sports. So what you're going to have to do is find that time when sports isn't on to spend time together. But there has to be enough mutual respect within the relationship. And there will be that you go your separate ways during the course of those games. I reached the point in my household where once the man cave was built or once we had... uh, Actually, this has been going on for a long time. But once we had separate rooms, but especially once I got the theater room built downstairs, I could walk in the door when I was working afternoons, working 2 to 6. And there was a game coming on at 7. So I'd get in the door at 6.15, 6.30. I'd want to go down and watch a pregame. Mm -hmm. And all I needed to do was get my hand within maybe a foot, foot and a half of the upstairs remote control. And I would hear, you've got a TV downstairs. So... (laughs) It's, it's like sensors. When yeah, you're this yeah. So this is a natural thing. Don't feel bad about it. Don't be bummed out and just say, hey, I, I like sports. I appreciate and totally want you to be able to watch your shows. But those are a couple of hours that we aren't going to be able to spend side by side. But then on the nights where a, a weekend where the Cardinals play a day game or maybe there's a, a Sunday night where you can still uh, pop the popcorn and sit next to each other and binge a show. That's awesome, unforgettable time. So take advantage of that while it's there. So no housewives is what you're saying. He doesn't have to, no. Because if she doesn't want to watch sports, I'm totally on board with that. And if he doesn't want to watch housewives, she should be totally on board with that. Because I can tell you this, the housewives shows are on like 20 times each or more. And the sporting event is on once. Yeah, you could always get the housewives shows yeah. on the Bravo app. Yeah. However, can I... Um, perhaps put a compromise on the table. Sure. A lot of my girlfriends have dealt with this and um, they have found that below deck is a nice compromise for some of their spouses. That is a good 
compromise. On those nights where you don't have sports, whatever show it is, yeah, get on board with that. That's cool. If guys can't get into the Housewives, Below Deck is a great show because you have the drama, you have the storylines. It changes every week, but there are some main characters. And it's boats and scenery. Yeah, and attractive women. There you go. Done. Below deck. All right. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, my wife keeps getting me socks as gifts, and I'm certain that I'll continue on Valentine's Day. How do I tell her to stop that I don't want socks? Ask for something else. And all you have to do with your wife, say, hey, I really appreciate all the socks that I have, but I'm set for life in the sock department. I don't need any more. So make it a point to find something that you like that would approximate the value and the cost of socks and put a Valentine's Day list together. There you go. If you've got enough socks, I don't think that she'll be offended by saying, hey, if you say, I really appreciate it, but I've got enough socks. Or you can just show her your sock drawer, overflowing sock drawer. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Look, at I don't have any more room for socks. Who's the uh, sock person that uh, organizes socks? Marie Kondo. There you go. Yeah. If you fold them a certain way, Mm -hmm. it's great because they are very organized and you can see everything, but they do take up a little bit more room. Okay. So that could be the play. I don't have the Marie Kondo thing going, but uh, my wife does and she has been able to maintain it. The way that Marie Kondo tells you to fold t-shirts has changed my life. Really? Yeah, because you can see all of your t-shirts because they're stacked up and down, if that makes sense, rather than on top of one another. My t-shirts are hanging. Do you hang up t-shirts? Yep. Do you also iron them? Most of them don't need to be ironed with the fabric that they're made of. So what are you putting in your drawers? Socks, underwear, uh, sweats, stuff like that. Wow. Shorts. So how big is the t-shirt portion of your closet? Probably pretty big. Probably, what, two or three feet. Wow, Randy. Yeah. (laughs) Hanging up t-shirts. Well, here's the thing. I have more t-shirts than I have button-down shirts. A lot more. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah. that's why I was saying it's probably bigger than (laughs) we would think in your closet. Okay, from the 636, Uncle Randy, I've been talking to a girl for over a month now. I already have flowers and roses ready for Valentine's Day, but should I also take her to a fancy restaurant? Okay, at this stage of where we are with the pandemic, my guess is that the the reservations for a fancy restaurant at 25% capacity, you're not going to find a fancy restaurant. So my play would be this. I would either get carry out from a nice restaurant. Uh, Where's this uh, text from? 636. 636. So like if you're in Chesterfield or even St. Charles County, uh, make the trip into town and country. Awesome Italian takeout at Rich and Charlie's. They're they're awesome. Can't go wrong with that. Or we got a great thing yesterday from Schnooks, which is amazing, where they have a couple of steaks, and you make this at home. I don't know if you're if you're young enough, if you're still living with your parents, this makes it more difficult. But if you have your own place, she has her own place. Uh, check out schnooks.com and check out their Valentine's Day. And I'm not doing this. I would do this even if I didn't do Schnooks commercials, because what we got yesterday is incredible. Yeah. It's got... Uh, chocolate-covered strawberries, it's got drink mixes, it's got uh, a bottle of Chardonnay, and uh, you've got uh, either a vegetarian dish or a couple of steaks that come with it. It's a great idea on the part of Schnooks, and you can find it at schnooks.com, but you couldn't go wrong there. But I, I would, to, to be fair here, to her and to you and to your families, 
I, I would say do carry out because you're probably not going to be able to find a reservation at a restaurant at this stage. But yes, after a month, nor ordinary times, fancy restaurant all the way. After a month, huh? Yep. Even with the flowers. Got the flowers going. If you if you got the flowers, your fancy restaurant material. You don't think that's doing too much? No. Early? No. Hey, Valentine's Day. No, you. That's where you you make your move on Valentine's Day. <laughs> really? Oh, that's big the play. time. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, Valentine's Day is a is a. Uh, as we guys call it, that's a moving day. See, I didn't realize that because I <laughs> thought most guys were not into Valentine's Day and they didn't want to set the precedent that it was going to be a day where they do big things. No, there's only two days a year where guys really get what they want. Wink, wink. It's Valentine's Day and your birthday. That's it. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Yep. So you got to you got to play the game. So, so you need to think about this in advance. Six five seven eight zero. Guys that are married. What are the two days? Wink, wink. Where you're going to get what you really want. I don't even have to say. Just They'll text you and they know. Everybody knows. Valentine's Day and your birthday. Yep. Not an anniversary. Maybe anniversary sometimes. Christmas. No chance. <laughs> Everything's too busy. It's too. <laughs> no chance. No chance on Christmas. No. What flag day, Randy? Well, you'd hope. <laughs> you have to marry the right woman. Uh, by the way, we're getting a lot of texts that St. Louis County is going up to 50% capacity. Okay, that's good. So make the phone call if you have a restaurant then. And you're comfortable, make that phone call and see if you can get a reservation. But every restaurant, and please support local restaurants, every restaurant in town is doing magnificent work with carryout. So <laughs> you can take advantage of that too. And if, hey, you know what? Every restaurant is employing local people. So if you can do that, then please do it. So how about this one from 314? Randy some advice i guess i'm screwed because today is my birthday and sunday is valentine's day <laughs> oh no you just you're, you're gonna have an awesome week but forget the rest of the year <laughs> sounds like a lonely rest of the year <laughs> okay one more randy from the 636 jericho randy my wife told me she was making a pot of chili for dinner last night after work i stopped and grabbed some hot dogs and buns because there's nothing better than chili dogs on a cold day when i got home i was surprised to find a vegetarian chili and the ninja foodie am i wrong to still be completely devastated by this i was completely heartbroken you are not wrong chili is not vegetarian fair all right you can make white chicken chili you can make make even turkey chili certainly it's better with ground beef but there is no such thing as a vegetarian chili it just doesn't go together a vegetarian chili is a soup and you don't put soup on a hot dog <laughs> no and I, while you can make a vegetarian version of anything, I would think if you're making chili, part of the reason you're making the chili is because you want the meat component. Totally. Now, just make broccoli soup or something if I, you want veggies. Yeah, I, I appreciate your spouse's desire to keep you healthy. Totally. And provide and, vegetarian fare. That's good for you. And to cook for you. Yeah. So nice. Very nice. But I think that maybe a gentle reminder honey, I picked up the hot dogs, I picked up the buns. Or chili dogs, and I want real chili, please. I cannot imagine how bummed out you'd be if you had this in your mind so much that you All stopped day. on the way home to get the components to put together the chili dogs. That's how hyped you were for this, and then you get home and it's just not there. Yeah, I would not be happy at all. Now, I think that I could eat a vegetarian chili out of a bowl, but not a chili dog. That's just highly disappointing. And there, no, you are completely correct to be devastated. And like I said, a gentle reminder that, honey, 
it's really cold outside. I love the fact that you went to the trouble to make a pot of chili, but next time and henceforth, can we please have chili that is real? And henceforth. And do it in that tone and also do what Randy did and lead with the honey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I give you three texts about what you said about the two days being guaranteed? Yeah, sure. Uh, from the 618, two days, Randy's a lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> from the 573, in all capital letters, you cannot come up short on Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> and then finally from the 702, you're absolutely right, Randy. Been married 17 years and Valentine's Day and birthdays are the only guarantee. Only guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> Learn something new every week during Ask Uncle Randy. I tell you what. Oh, we thank you for your texts and <laughs> appreciate your participation in the show. And uh, you've been married for 17 years, 10 years, 12, 36, whatever. It's, it's, it's all the same. Next up. The Cardinals are set for spring training, and we are going to tell you what is definite and what is almost definite about the 2021 Cardinals next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> you know, right now, I think we're pretty confident with the team we have going into camp. Um, I wouldn't rule out perhaps a few non-roster invitees that could be added, but overall we feel pretty good about where we are. That's the Cardinals' Pobo, John Mozeliak, yesterday in the Zoom press conference introducing, reintroducing Yadier Molina. And that statement tells you, tells me, that the Cardinals are not getting Jaco Rizzi. He's not coming as a non-roster player, right? Mm-hmm. So we know what the Cardinals are heading into spring training one week from today. And Michelle and I thought that we would put up some things that we think we know that we're pretty sure about or that we don't know at all. So this is a little segment called dry erase board, pencil or Sharpie. And these are are facts about the Cardinals that may or may not pan out, but the Sharpie ones definitely will. Yeah. If you put it in Sharpie, you better be pretty confident in what you're saying. Pencil, you can erase but it's harder to erase yeah. it. It takes a little bit of effort. Dry erase, one, swoop, wipe it right one off. swoop, you're done. Yeah. So why don't you start off with your dry erase, Michelle? Okay, this one is going to catch me some heat, Randy. But maybe it's because I feel emboldened about my Super Bowl pick. <laughs> because I picked <laughs> the Bucks. Bucks yep. I picked Gronk to have a big game. And I said that offensive line was going to be nightmarish for Patrick Mahomes. So maybe it's because I'm feeling emboldened about my Super Bowl picks. But my dry erase comment is that Harrison Bader is going to hit around 250 and also have a, quote, breakout year for the Cardinals. Really? There's something about him that they believe in. And they believe in pretty strongly. They've had offers for him, and they have not moved him. They've moved people like Randy Rosarena, and despite being offered pitchers from the Mets, they have believed in Harrison Bader. We know that he is an elite defender. We know that he has speed. If he can just put it together consistently offensively, he could be quite the piece for this team, and I think this might be the season he does it. It's smart to put it up in dry erase, Thank too. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I put it there for a reason. I'm also looking at the Cardinal outfield. In a 171-game career, Tyler O'Neill, Michelle, has 21 home runs. His 162-game averages are 20 homers and 55 runs batted in. My dry erase is that Tyler O'Neill finally realizes some of that power potential the Cardinals see in him and hits 20 home runs in 2021. We put both outfield comments in the dry erase section. Yeah, we did, because we're not dumb. (laughs) We're also very unsure. Yeah. They are question marks across the board. There is not 
an outfielder that the Cardinals have where you can put anything in Sharpie at all? No, but I do think that that outfield, while being uncertain, has incredible potential. Yeah, they have they have greater upside now than they had a week ago, too, when they had Dexter Fowler on the roster. That's right. So, all right, let's move to pencil. What do you have for pencil? I'm writing in pencil, Randy, that Alex Reyes is going to be the Cardinals' fifth starter. I hope that's the case. I hope you don't have to erase that. Me too, because I think we know that he can be electric. We know that it's a matter of health with him. It's a matter of command. It's a matter of staying healthy. And he's on the path to getting there. We saw him be healthy last year. He's got the stuff. If not now, when? He wants it. He's been preparing for a start as a starter for the past few seasons. And it might not be what we see on opening day, but I hope that at some point during the year he settles into that role. Me too. I, I would love to see that. And again, when we talk about the future, he gives you a better, I think, at the end of 2021, I would rather have him, based on what we've seen from his stuff, I'd rather have him starting a playoff game than Martinez anyway. Me so too. I, I would rather have him in 2021, and then certainly Carlos isn't going to be here after 2021. So get him up and going. Michelle, my pencil is this. Yadier Molina in... 2016 played in 147 games. The year after that, 136. In 2018, he played in 123. 2019, he played in 113. And then last year, 42 of the 60 that the Cardinals played. Even though his games played numbers have descended in 17, 18, 19, and 20, I'm going to put in pencil that Yadier Molina plays in 130 games for the Cardinals. Wow. How about that? And Kisner gets 32. Interesting. Yep. Doesn't get hurt. He's healthy. He's enthused and uh, obviously wants to play. So 130 for Yachty. Even if he gets hurt, he'll probably still play. Oh, yeah. He'll play through it. (laughs) Definitely. Okay. Should we move on to Sharpie? Sharpie. Here we go. Okay. There's a lot of things that we feel good about with the Cardinals individually. There's a lot of players we feel good about. There's still a lot of question marks. But I think I, I feel most confident writing in Sharpie that the Cardinals are going to win the division. Ooh. Despite what Pakoda might say, and I know we're going to talk about that coming up next hour, I think that the Cardinals are the best team in the division on paper. I think that we saw last year that this team has a lot of fight in them, and I think that there is a great energy that is going to be in that clubhouse with Bueno coming back, Yadi coming back with the arrival of Nolan Arenado, and I think it's going to be a great balance of veteran guys and young guys on the come-up, and I think that they're going to win the division. I think that's a nice call. I like that in Sharpie, too. I'm impressed. But we shouldn't be even because the Dakota guys, well, no, they don't have the Cardinals uh, (laughs) winning the division. We'll talk about that later. Michelle, I'm going to go with this. Last year was a weird year. I'm willing to throw out the 60-game schedule. The two years before that, Jack Flaherty led the Cardinals in strikeouts. 231 strikeouts in 2019. 2018, he had 182. I'm putting in Sharpie that Jack Flaherty leads the Cardinal pitchers in strikeouts. Wow. He's going to be healthy. And this is, when we talk about breakout, even though people talked about him as a possible Cy Young winner last year because of his second half in 2019, I think this is Jack Flaherty's breakout year. And he's dominant and as good as anybody in the National League. He's one of the people that I throw 2020 out for. Yeah. There's so many players. I I think it's reasonable just to throw it out for everybody. Unless you had a great season. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're, you're looking for 
to use it as a negotiating tactic. Yeah, right. Look what I was able yeah. to do during a pandemic. Right. Even a guy, obviously a guy like Lane Thomas, but a guy like Tommy Edmond, who ascended so much in 2019. I hope that what we saw last year offensively from Edmond isn't real, and I hope that he's able to get back on that track to becoming a really good offensive player because he was really good in 2019. Yeah, Lane Thomas, Paul DeYoung. How can you make determinations on what they were last season? You can't. There's no way. No. And we're going to do this more, but we want to hear from you. You can leave us a mic drop, dry erase, pencil, and sharpie. Leave us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. We're going to do it at 845. So we're going to come back because we want to hear from you. What do you have in dry erase? What do you have in pencil? And what do you have in sharpie for the 2021 Cardinals? But coming up next, we want your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time for Tioli on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you, and uh, we'd love your text, 65780. Michelle, yesterday, Jay Billis unveiled his top 68 teams in NCAA college basketball. He has your Fighting Illini at number five in the country, and he has the Missouri Tigers right now listed as number 18. Take it or leave it. When we get to the NCAA tournament, which will be played in Indiana, both Mizzou and Illinois play in the Sweet 16. I'm going to take it. I am too. And how exciting for our region. That'd be awesome. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Uh, Because we haven't had all the teams good together at once. And by the way, because of the limited number of games that the Billikens have played, they're downgraded a little bit, but he still has slew at 41. And I think... Slew, here's, here's what Jay Billis writes about the Billikens. Travis Ford's team went more than a month between games due to COVID-19 related postponements, and the Billikens have struggled to find their footing since returning to the floor. But Slew's decisive home win over St. Bonaventure looked more like the team we expected heading into the season. Giovanni Perkins was terrific with 21.6 rebounds and four assists. So Billis appears to really like Travis Ford's team, and maybe they'll be able to make a move in the tournament as well. That'd be great. Um... Can't wait for the tournament. Gosh. It's going to be great. Can't, cannot wait. All right, Randy, we know that it's Groundhog Day yet again for the Blues. Playing the Coyotes again Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Take it or leave it, the Blues win two out of three versus the Yotes this time around. I will take that. Yeah, I think this uh, few days of practice, the opportunity to work on special teams will benefit the Blues. And I think that Craig Berube, just listening to his conversation with the fast lane yesterday... I get the sense that he wants to get in their head a little bit more about the effort. And he he was he said he took it easy on him yesterday because he was happy with the effort and the game just didn't go their way a couple of nights ago. So I, I think they will exhibit better effort and I think they'll win two out of three. I also wonder if they have a little bit of Bradley Beal's wife going on. And by that, I mean sick, sick of, of it. it. They are probably sick of seeing Colorado. They're probably sick of the same talking points yep. about effort. They're probably sick of seeing these players. And I hope that they come out and they play like they're sick of it. Yeah, Take it or leave it. If Arizona wins on Friday and they've won four in a row against the Blues, the team should just line up and shake hands at the end of that game and not play the last two. Why not? <laughs> All right, your tech 65780. Emily is here. What do you have for us? 
from the 636, we got Take It or Leave It. The Blues would have been back-to-back champs if COVID didn't hit. I'll take that. Oh, I'll definitely they take that. They were rolling. They looked so good. And I will always look back on that season and wonder, what if? Yeah, me too. Yeah, they, they were stopped in their tracks. And they are a team that, and I think that's part of what's deal, what they're dealing with now. They are so dependent upon having emotion in the building, their emotional team. And when you're playing without fans, it's just different for them. You and I were in the building during that Stanley Cup run. And that was energy like I've never experienced mm-hmm. in my entire life. Your heart was beating out of your chest. You could feel it in your entire body. And I don't know how that does not translate to what you're doing on the ice. And you and I also went to games at Bush Stadium when there were no fans. Yeah. And I give athletes a lot of credit for being able to manufacture an intensity needed to play in the same manner, especially in a postseason environment. I cannot imagine going from what the Blues experienced in the postseason prior to going to the bubble. It could it could not have been easy. You know, I just thought of this, but isn't that another thing you give Brady credit for? When of course. You, when you look at the energy that he played with yes. throughout the, the second half of the season without fan, until the Super Bowl, really, without yes. fans in the stands. From the 636, take it or leave it, Bennington gets a shutout on Friday. I'll take it. He's angry. <laughs> Does he look angry? Does he look nervous? I'll take it, too. I'm ready <laughs> I'm ready for him to come out and continue to play great. Yeah, he was so mad after the tying goal the other night. And he had no chance on it, but he was. He looked like he was angry. I would be, too. Yeah, me, too. I'm ready to skate off, go home. <laughs> <laughs> From 314, take it or leave it, the Cards have three gold glovers this year. Well, they definitely have two at the corners. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Tyler O'Neill wins. I was just going to say, you're going to get the other one to Tyler O'Neill yeah. again? Yeah. I, I think now JT Real Muto has kind of taken the expected gold glove away from Yachty. So I kind of think he'll win it. Harrison Bader? He could win it if he plays enough. I wonder who in the uh, National League would be a better everyday center fielder than him. I don't know. Good question. I don't even remember who won last year. In the Let's look at that 2020 gold glove list. Not that 2020 matters. We'll, we'll find out. From the 314, take it or leave it, Wayno wins 15 games this year. I would love to take that, but I'm going to leave it. I would love to take it too, but I'm also going to leave it. And I'm also very curious to see what 2021 looks like for Wayno. Longer season. Yep. And 39 years old. Yep. Uh, and I'm, what he did last year was incredible. It was. And the year before that, too. Right. Absolutely. But then when you look at the time before 2019, he just had not pitched a lot. So 31 starts two years ago. Year before that, eight. Year before that, 24. Had 33 in 2016. Only seven in 2015. So in the last six years, he's pitched a lot in three of them and not much in three others. So what what's it going to be this year? Also, Trent Grisham from the Padres. Okay, Harrison Bader's better than him. Gold glove winner. You center betcha. Field, center fielder. Sharpie. How about this one? <laughs> Sharpie. Write it down. Take Sharpie. it or leave it. Wayno gets throws another complete game. He had two last year. I'm going to leave it. He was the only one on staff. Yeah. The complete game. You know what? take it okay. I believe in Wayno I do I believe in him 
I just don't know what a full season is going to look like. I, I hope that he can, you know, continue on. When he threw the complete games last year, they needed him to. And by the way, let's uh, he won't throw a nine inning complete game. He might get a seven inning complete game, but hopefully in a 162 game schedule where you don't have all the issues that they had with the schedule last year, they won't need him to go nine innings. From the 573, take it or leave it. Mizzou makes it to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I'm going to say they win that Sweet 16 game. I'm going to take it. They're capable of it. They're playing really well. They and they play good team basketball. That's right. They've beaten, what, three top... Hold on, let me pull up their schedule. Three top tens, I think? I believe so. One of the things about them that could hurt them in a tournament setting is that they don't shoot the three particularly well. That's going to be part of it, but... They play defense, they play hard, and I think teams will have a difficult time scoring against them. So even if they don't shoot the three regularly and well, I still think that the the Tigers can win games against most of the teams in college basketball. Okay, so it was Illinois, number six at the time. Um, Obviously, number 10, Alabama. And number six, Tennessee. Wow. Good. They can beat anybody. See? Even Gonzaga. All right. This one's a little Ask, ask Uncle Randy-esque. Okay. From the 636, take it or leave it. My girlfriend of three months brought home a Chicago-style pizza last night for National Pizza Day. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. This should be grounds for a breakup? Uh, I totally leave that. No, that's a loving move on her part. Now, there are people, Michelle, that aren't huge fans of Chicago-style people's terrible. pizza. Terrible. But... National Pizza Day, and yes, at the Character Household, we had emos because we are St. Louisans. But deep dish Giordano's uh, pizza is is fantastic. Or if you want to go with Lou Malnati's, or if you want to go with Gino's East, they're all great. And no, that is not grounds for a breakup. That is actually grounds for even a better Valentine's Day gift for her. I'm going to take it, but also spin it around a little. I think this might have been her signaling that she wants to break up with you. Oh, no. I think this is her saying, I view you and this relationship like I do this trash pizza. It's bad. So your play, obviously, would not be to bring home a deep dish pizza for your significant other on National Pizza Day. No, because I would hope that if I was dating them, I would like them. And I would not, <laughs> I wouldn't want to bum them out by bringing them a suspect lasagna disguised as a pizza. So, Michelle, I got to tell you, when I drive to Chicago, almost without fail, I will, actually, I'll take a cooler along with me so that I can stop at Giordano's and pick up some of their frozen pizzas to bring home. Really? Yep. One, t- one time after college, um, we were up there um, in Chicago, and I went to Illinois, so most of my girlfriends live in Chicago. And this guy that we knew was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I work, at- I bartend at this place called Lou's. And we were like, oh, Lou's, is that a new bar, like in the West Loop or something? <laughs> and then we find out later that he worked at Lou <laughs> And so anytime people talk about deep dish, I always think, oh, Lou's, I work at Lou's, casual, no big deal. Just the way he said it was so funny. Lose. Lose. Yeah. But I know a lot of people are partial to Lou Malnati's and not Giordano's. Yeah, especially Chicago people. Yes, and Chicago I guess people. The uh, Giordano's thing is more of a touristy deep dish, and Lou Malnati's is more of a uh, Chicago people deep, deep, deep dish. And being a tourist, I prefer the Giordano's. There you go. From the 
636, take it or leave it. Yachty wins NLCS MVP en route to number 12. I am going to leave that. Because you think it'll be Arenado? <laughs> no, I think it's going to be a surprise. I think it's going to be kind of like David Freeze. Who would be the biggest surprise? Would it be... Paul DeYoung? That could be surprising, but I think people think Paul DeYoung is capable of that. He mm-hmm. just hasn't consistently put it together. Right, exactly. So is that the way we felt about Freeze at the time? I think it needs to be someone who... I would think it needs to be one of the outfielders for me to yeah. think it's a total surprise David Freeze style. Here's one of the, the young guys. Yeah, but with Freeze, if you were going to pick from that team, you'd pick Pujols, you'd hit Berkman, you'd pick Berkman, you'd pick Yachty uh, ahead of him. So I, I think DeYoung would be kind of like fourth in line behind Goldie, Arenado, Yachty. So there's no doubt if one of the outfielders, any of the outfielders win NLCS MVP, that'll be a huge surprise. Totally. And if Tommy Edmund would win, that would be just like Eckstein, right? That would be devil magic. Yeah, that, that would be so typical of the Cardinals. Yeah, I was, was going to go Edmund. Yeah, that's, that's another great call, especially if he's still the leadoff hitter at that point, which I think he'll be at the beginning of the season. What we'll would see. be so Cardinals is Edmund or Carlson? It would be the young guy that is going to be the next big threat coming up for the Cardinals, yep. finally showing out in the postseason, or it would be a guy like Tommy Edmond that the rest of the country doesn't really pay attention to. Or the other thing, you talk about devil magic, would be Libertor pulling a Michael Walker circa 2013. Randy, don't even speak of it. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. So the new Picota projections are out with wins for every major league team in 2021. And I'll tell you right now, Picota's stupid. <laughs> it's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> I was listening to BK and Ferrario yesterday, and BK had gone through like the last seven years of Picota projections. Uh, this is a, a math group. It's a group of uh, mathematicians. I don't know if they really like or watch baseball, but they try to come up with the number of wins that baseball teams are going to have every year, and almost invariably, they're wrong. And they have been wrong to the tune of about six wins per year on the Cardinals for the last seven years. And every single year, Picota has underplayed what the how the Cardinals have performed. Every year, they project that the Cardinals are going to have less wins than they wind up with at the end of the season. This year, Michelle, they have Milwaukee winning 89 games and winning the Central. They have the Cubs with 85 wins and the Cardinals with 81 wins. And I think any logical person that is a baseball fan that isn't just so hung up on the math realizes when you look at this division that the Cardinals are the best team in the division. How they came up with the Cardinals being third in the division, regardless of how many wins it is, how they came up with the Cardinals being third in the division if they're baseball fans is beyond me. This is how you know spring training is around the corner and we're gearing up to talk baseball is when Pakoda grossly underestimates the Cardinals, we get angry about it, and then the Cardinals Mm -hmm. prove them wrong. (laughs) We know that baseball is right around the corner. But I understand that there is a place in the game for math and analytics and these projections, but why we put stock into it when it's been wrong consistently year in and year out is beyond me. Yeah, 
anybody can just throw a bunch of numbers out there, right? You don't Men, not need... machines, Randy. Yeah, right. Men, not machines. Yeah. So you don't even need the math. Uh, the, the Cardinals you are, know, this is an 86-87 win team. It's not an 81 win team. I guarantee you that I'm going to be closer to, than Pakota is. And I guarantee you I am every year. Should we write it in Sharpie? Yeah, Sharpie. Sharpie we can write it, it in Sharpie on the dry erase board. Okay, done. We're going to do it. Randy, bit smarter than Pakota. Guaranteed it. But the numbers might say one thing, but what about the eye test? What about the turmoil that's going on in Chicago? You don't think that that's going to have some sort of a bearing on what we see on the field? One of the biggest problems that I have with going all in on analytics, and I'm with you, there is a place for numbers. There's a place for a combination. I think Mike Schilt does a wonderful job of saying, hey, they're men, not machines, but also using analytics as a tool. But when you have a guy like Billy Bean, who doesn't watch games and drives away from games before they start, that's not paying attention to the fact that you don't have robots playing. You have people playing the game. And that's one of the reasons that Picota has underplayed the Cardinals because the residue of Tony LaRusse's years have existed here even until now. And Mike Schilt has a great deal of respect for Tony LaRusse. But if you play hard all the time, and you don't make mistakes, and I don't know how much Picota goes into defense, but if you don't lose games, what are you going to do? In baseball, you're going to win them. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that the Cardinals have been pretty good is that for the most part, they do little things well that my guess is Picota doesn't analyze. And here's one thing that I know Picota doesn't analyze. They have no numbers to define what Yadier Molina brings to the Cardinals. No numbers. And what did the numbers say about Adam Wainwright heading into last year? Right. I bet the numbers said that he was going to probably be a liability for the team based on his age. And he defied all odds. So good thing that the Cardinals have a balance between what they see on the on the stat sheets that the math people give them, that the analytics people give them, and what Mike Schilt does with the eye test and what he knows out of his players. So we'll put this uh, piece of paper in the file this uh, and the file to save at the end of the season, not the circular one because they have the Mets winning the NL East by 10 games over Washington, by 12 over Philly. They have Atlanta winning 82 games and the Mets winning 96. Atlanta winning 82 (laughs) games and the Mets winning 96. Do you think that when the numbers are done being crunched and this gets printed out, people at Pocota are like, oh, man. I don't know about this. Oh, man, I don't know if we should hit publish on this one (laughs) in the nl west they've got the dodgers winning 103 san diego winning 96 arizona winning 79 san francisco 75 colorado 60 they have the yankees finishing with the best and and i think pakota might be new york based computers uh they've got the the yankees winning 97 games that would be the most in the american league so east coast bias on the computers yeah yeah, i think so Uh, the yankees would win the american league by 11 over Tampa. They've got Minnesota winning the Central and the White Sox winning 83. Cleveland in between them. I don't think Cleveland is an 86-win team anymore. They're pretty good, but I don't think they're an 86-win team anymore. And then they have the hated Astros winning 93 games this year and the Angels finishing in second in that division with 87. So, Hmm. not on board. Not on board at all with Dakota. No. Yadier Molina is indeed back. Yesterday, not only did he meet with the media via Zoom, but he also talked to our friends at FS Midwest and told them that there was an interesting guy that helped bring him back to the Cardinals. 
you know i've been typing to it since the last two years <laughs> so <laughs> uh but yeah he's i mean he's happy to be here with us um he's excited uh he tests me uh, when i was in mexico too trying to bring me back too i mean he's excited i'm excited too so can't wait to see him that's Nolan Arenado, the guy he's talking about. He's been talking to him for two years. How about that? <laughs> How about that? So it's almost as if Arenado really wanted to come here for a while. I would say that that's <laughs> probably the case. And one of the things about Yachty in 2021, and it seems pretty clear, the Cardinals have asked him to mentor the young catchers like Andrew Kisner and Yvonne Herrera. What do you think of those guys? I think, I think they, they're ready. I think they're, they are ready. I'm excited for them. They, they work hard, both of them. Kisner and Herrera, they, they are really good. They got really good talent and they're, they're really smart. I mean, they like to work. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm going to be there for them too. I'm glad that he said that at the end. He's going to be there for them. And he has no trouble taking initiative in terms of working hard, but I hope he explains to them why they're working hard. That's one of the things that coaches these days talk about is veteran coaches. Say the biggest difference between coaching now and 20 years ago is you ask somebody to work hard and they say, why? And and I hope that Yachty will explain to them. He he won't just say, Hey, come out and work because we're all going to get better but explain why and how they're going to get better because he is old school. He does the work that needs to be done. And I hope that people like Kisner and Herrera will be accepting of his mentorship. I'm sure that they would be. How could you not be? If you look at Yadier Molina and your young catcher coming up, you would hope that you could even have half of the career that that he has had. So if he is revealing to you the way that he's been able to put together a game plan to keep his body intact, all the things that he does that might not show up on an analytic sheet that makes him so great, if he's going to show you the blueprint, you'd be smart to follow it. And... I also think that it would be smart when pitchers and catchers report, specifically catchers, that Mike Schilt and Mike Maddox have a meeting with all the catchers, Yachty and the kids, and explain to them that Yachty is there for them to help them get better so that they can have the 18-year career where they make hundreds of millions of dollars. He is there at their service, and it would behoove them to utilize that mentorship. Be a sponge. Yep, totally. And if they can, all better for them, for him, for his legacy, and for the Cardinals. Wouldn't it be cool to have 36 years of catching from two guys and have them be great and have the second one be great because of the first one? That would be amazing. Would love it. And it could happen. Yeah. So it's good to have Yachty back and good to have him with that sort of an attitude. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our friend Craig Mish now of MLB Network going to talk a little bit about the Arenado acquisition by the Cardinals. And he has a really interesting take on what happened a couple of years ago when the Cardinals got Marcelo Zuna. We're going to ask him about that too next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Our friend Craig Mish has 
put a couple of more things on his resume. He's now the senior baseball contributor for the Miami Herald. He's an MLB Network contributor, still doing his uh, Swings and Mishes podcast. And joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN, our friend Craig Mish. Great to talk to you. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Randy and Michelle. Thanks for having me. Do you ever have an hour off? <laughs> I'm on vacation this week, <laughs> if, if you can believe that. <laughs> right before uh, spring training. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, basically after the Super Bowl, I was like, okay, let's do a week, but not really going anywhere, just kind of staying around and, and catching up, you know, just on things that I haven't been able to do around the house and things here in South Florida. But it is great to be with you guys and great to have baseball here around the corner. Well, Craig, thank you so much for giving us some time on your vacation. We really appreciate that. But let's start here in St. Louis. We just did a segment where we looked at the Pocota projections for the Cardinals. They have the Cardinals finishing third in the National League Central. But with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina returning and, of course, the addition of Nolan Arenado, how do you view the Cardinals this season? Yeah, I mean, I think, Michelle, look, Pocota's very good as far as giving you a little bit of of an idea. The The other thing that I tend to do is I wait till the lines come out in, in Vegas and, you know, on, on some of the places where you can bet and take a look at the win totals. I think that that gives me, honestly, the way that people are betting is more important to me than anything else these days. It seems like they're very sharp with that. Uh, look, I, at the beginning of the season, I'll probably end up picking the Cardinals to win the division. There, there definitely are still some questions, I think, there. But when you add somebody like Arenado, I think more importantly, and, and look from a a fun point of view and a heartwarming point of view, it's very important to bring back Ueno and, and Yachty for sure. But really what Arenado is, is the game changer there. And it's almost like getting two players in one when you get him, because you get the best defensive third baseman in baseball, fantastic offensive player as well. And I don't think the division has really done all that much other than St. Louis. So yeah, I, I, I definitely will disagree there. And, and I think the Cardinals probably will be set for about 90 wins this year. It's the way I see it. Craig, you have observed the Marlins very closely for a long time, and we had you on all the time during the whole Giancarlo Stanton situation when uh, obviously his agent, Joel Wolf wanted Stanton to wind up here. When you look now at the Marlins, and, and I, you tweeted about the four guys that they traded, I want you to touch on that, but there's such a comparison Joel, Joel Wolf talked about the Marlins giving the $30 million to the Yankees to take on Stanton. And now you have the Rockies uh, sending $50 million here to St. Louis. Did that wind up being a good thing for the Marlins? The, the Stanton trade, Randy, was probably the best trade of all the ones that they made because it gave them the freedom to be able to operate and potentially in a few years be able to reinvest some of that money. Now, I don't think that Miami will ever pay anyone $300 million again, maybe not even $200 million in this market. It doesn't even have a TV contract at the moment. I'm sure they will in the next few days, but it's it's a tough place because of the fan base here. They don't really support the fans in the way that, that they should, in my opinion. But the, the trade of all the trades that, I mean, people say that, you know, we can go through the trade for Ozuna, which worked out very well for Miami as well. But in my opinion, being able to shed that money, there's no question that that was the best trade of all the ones that they made because it really gave them the freedom and flexibility to continue to operate. I don't think they could have with him. And, and as you tweeted the other day, in addition to Stanton, Ozuna, Yelich, uh, and, and then Real Muto, you look at those four deals and the contracts that those four players signed, there are a handful of franchises that would have been able to keep those guys around. So from that perspective, it, what Derek Jeter and the Marlins did actually turns out to be smart. 
Randy, if you can give me those hand, the handful of those teams, that would be great. I'd see two. It's the Dodgers, the Yankees. I, I think if the Cubs wanted there. to do it, they could, and, and the Mets now. Uh, may, maybe the Mets, but let's be honest. Have the Mets really spent a lot of money this offseason? I mean, they got Lindor and they got, you know, uh, Trevor May. I mean, they really did not. They haven't, but they could. The that, that's my point, is if they wanted to, they could. Well, I, that, you know what, Randy? That remains to be seen because they did talk a huge game going into the offseason, but uh, did they really add that much payroll to the team at this point? I Look, if they sign Lindor to a $300 million contract, your point will be well taken. But until that happens, it is the Mets. I'm going to reserve judgment okay, on so, that. But still, um, the, so let's leave it at the Yankees and the Dodgers. The, the, those are the teams, right? That, right, yeah. The, the yeah, Marlins yeah, certainly Your, your point have. is correct. Yeah, your point, your point is accurate, and that was the point that I was trying to make where I, I just don't think that there's any baseball team in, in, in America that would have you know, signed all those guys to long-term extensions. Now, the counterpoint to that, which we always have to make because it's radio, is that could the Marlins have just kept Real Muto or could they have just kept Yelich? And, of course, the answer to that is yes. And, and the Yelich trade that Miami made was horrible and, and is not going – it is going to go down as one of their worst trades that they've ever made. I mean, there's no denying that. The players that they got back in return are still developing, but it doesn't look great. So, yes, they could have kept one or two of them, but this, this idea that we see on social media, probably I would say once every, I don't know, two or three months, wow, look at all the Marlins that they could have had and look at all these great players. No one really looks at the reality that they couldn't have paid any of them. Nobody would. So, yeah, it's just kind of ridiculous. That's a great point, Craig. And the Marlins were such a great story last year, having them sneak into the playoffs after everything they endured. I think a lot of people in the country were really pulling for them. But what are the projections that you have for the Marlins this season? Well, Michelle, you know, it's really interesting. They signed, uh, you know, they're going to sign. I guess it's not official yet, but as I reported yesterday, they got Adam Duvall. So that's a, a nice, you know, little upgrade for them. And Anthony Bass is the other player that they got that's potentially going to be their closer. And I would tell you this, coming off of last season, Michelle, where they made the postseason for the first time, and it feels like forever, but, you know, maybe about 10, 15 years, had the division not gotten these ma- these upgrades massively in Philadelphia, bringing back Real Muto and Washington, adding Josh Bell and Schwarber to go along with the pitching, and as Randy and I were just talking about the Mets getting Lindor and some other pieces, I would have said, you know, the, the Marlins are right back there again. But, man, that division just got some huge upgrades again. It's going to be really tough for them. The Braves are clearly the class, and they brought Ozuna back. I mean, I guess somewhere in the 70s, Michelle, would be probably my prediction. Optimistically, you would think maybe they could get to 500 like they did last year in that short season. But on paper right now, I don't see it. So somewhere in the 70s would be where I'd stand right now. And you mentioned Ozuna, Craig. He goes back to the Braves on a four-year, $64 million deal. What did you think of the terms of that deal? Well, very friendly for the Braves in the first year, that's for sure. It seems like every contract, by the way, in, in 2021, the, the owners don't really want to uh, shell out the money, so a lot of the money is deferred. But what's really interesting is that Tampa Bay had a three-year offer to Ozuna in like the $45 million range. And, and I think that with a player like Ozuna, and you saw it in St. Louis, is that, in, in my opinion, he's a very talented player. He's a very good player, but he's always supremely, it seems to be, motivated to get that next contract. So I am kind of curious how he does perform, knowing that his life is now set, his financially, uh, you know, his financial freedom for the rest of his life now, having 
you know, basically guaranteed $45, $50 million, whatever that is. But I think from the Braves' perspective, it was a really good deal because, again, you get the $12 million this year where there's no DH. And then I think we all will agree that in 2022 we'll have the designated hitter and then Ozuna could fit right in there. And then he can get his you know, $15, $16 million at that point. One more thing for our friend Craig Mish. You're down in South Florida. The Major League Baseball Players Union and owners have agreed on protocols for spring training. What's your confidence level that spring training will go off with these protocols without a hitch? Yeah, it feels good right now for the time being. I was really skeptical. I did not think that it would start on time, but it does seem like everything is in place. I do like the fact that they're going to put in that contact tracing digitally to keep tabs on on all the players and where they're going. And uh, you know, I, I, and as far as the punishment goes, I'm not really sure how that all that will work. But it does feel like Roger Dean Stadium will have the Marlins and Cardinals there at some point next week. Uh, at least from the indications, we have a call today actually with the Marlins to figure out what we're going to be able to do and not do. My guess is not very much from a media standpoint until the games begin. So uh, my guess is, Randy, that this will go off without a hitch. The tickets have not yet gone back on sale because there's no schedule yet at Roger Dean. But uh, I will be seeing a lot of the Cardinals in March because (laughs) they're just not playing any West Coast teams in the state of Florida. So I think from the 24 games that I saw the Marlins play, uh, I I think that half of them are against the Cardinals from what I saw. So 10 to 12 times, and I don't think that's been released yet, but I think 10 to 12 times Miami's going to face off against St. Louis in that stadium. And uh, one last thing. You're allowed to make us jealous here. It's 16 degrees and wet and (laughs) snowy in St. Louis right now. How about where you are? I think we are at this morning. I'm looking outside here in my house. Uh, Let me see here. It looks about 77 and and sunny. But look, in a normal season, I would uh, in a normal situation, I would invite you guys down here for spring training and bring the whole 101 team and and let's you know you know I'll come on the shows and do all that. But look, I I know that we're in a tough spot again uh, with the pandemic. But hopefully in 2022 or maybe hey, hey who knows? Let's be optimistic. Maybe sometime in March we'll get this done. Sounds great, Craig. We always appreciate your time, especially when you're on vacation. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. See you later. That's our friend Craig Mish of MLB Network Radio, the Miami Herald. He's a busy guy. Not this week, but he's busy because we called him. How nice of him to give us awesome. 10 minutes during his vacation. I think I would have said, no, I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. And he, he's tied in everywhere. And obviously, he, uh, he likes the Cardinals to win the Central, which is good. And I'm on board with him, by the way. I think that's a smart move to look at Vegas rather than mm-hmm. look at Pakoda. Especially because Pakota's been wrong about the Cardinals for the past few years. Way too long. Way too long. Coming up, we've got the fight for you here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back into Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It is 834. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's welcome in Randy's challenger today. John is with us. Good morning, John. How are you doing on this Wednesday? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, too. You know, John, I like your energy. It seems like you're having a great day so far. 
I'm trying to. It's kind of a David and Goliath matchup right here, but uh, I'll do my best. That is the truth if I've ever heard it. What a bummer of a day. It's freezing cold. There's snow on the ground. The roads are terrible. I don't know how anyone has motivation to do anything today. I don't either. <laughs> Just trying to hang in here. I love that. All right. Well, hopefully you have motivation to win the fight, John. All right. I do. I love that. Question number one. Who was the first player to have his jersey number retired by the Blues? Was it Brian Sutter, Bob Gassoff, or Barkley Plager? Plager. John, besides Yadier Molina, who is the only other player from the 2004 World Series who is still active, is it Albert Pujols, Adam Wainwright, or Miguel Cabrera? Wainwright. In 1992, John, what typically childhood illness <laughs> caused Ozzie Smith to miss two weeks of action? Was it pink eye, chicken pox, or strep throat? That's a tough one. Um, yes, it is. Chicken pox? <laughs> I like how you guessed there. I would have had to guess too. Don't worry. And what team did the Rams beat on December 17th, 2015 in the club's final home game in St. Louis? Was it the Seattle Seahawks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or the San Francisco 49ers? Randy's definitely going to get this one right. Um, For sure. Can I hear this one more time, please? Sure. I'll read the whole question. What team did the Rams beat on on December 17th, 2015, in the club's final home game in St. Louis? Was it the Seattle Seahawks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or the San Francisco 49ers? Let's go with the Bucks. All right. Let's check our score here. Randy is on his way in. Whenever I read these questions, John, there's some I know that Randy's going to know, and that number four one. We did a we did a segment earlier. Dry erase board, pencil, or sharpie. Write that in sharpie. He's going to get that one right for sure. One hundred percent. If yeah. he doesn't, it'll be the shock of our lives. Um, yes, it would be. Randy, as you get settled in, please say good morning to John. Morning, John. How you doing? Doing great, Randy. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Absolutely. There's one question on here that John and I wrote in Sharpie that you'll know the answer to. Okay, good. So, no pressure. None. <laughs> question number one, Randy. Who was the first player to have his jersey number retired by the Blues? First player? Well, let's see. Would we go back to Bob Gassoff in 77? If you're looking at, um, well, two, three, five... Um, 11, 16, 24. I guess it has to be Bob Gassoff. Besides Yadier Molina, who is the only other player from the 2004 World Series who is still active? In any baseball? It, yeah, who, who uh, in any baseball? Albert Pujols. Randy, in 1992, what typical childhood illness caused Ozzie Smith to wit- miss two weeks of action? I was actually on the trip in Chicago when Ozzy contracted uh, chickenpox. <laughs> his kids had it. He got it from his kids. Oh, man. <laughs> Did he have to wear um, oven mitts on his hands so he didn't scratch? Well, they sent him home right after he got it. I think he got it at, like after the first day of the trip, and they sent him home. So I didn't, we didn't see him. 
And what team did the Rams beat on December 17th, 2015 in the club's final home game in St. Louis? Final home game was the condiment bowl between the (laughs) yellow-clad Rams, they were the mustard, and the red-clad Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were the ketchup. That was such a terrible visual, that game. It was was so bad. Rams won. Yes, they did. All right, we've got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Sorry, John. Randy came out swinging today. He got all four correct. You got two. He did. He did. Congratulations, Randy. Thanks, John. (laughs) What a good, what a good sportsmanship here on Wednesday. I love that. Okay, so Bob Gassoff was the first player to have his jersey number retired by the Blues. That number was retired on October 1st, 1977. Albert Pujols is the only other player from that 2004 World Series besides Yadier Molina who is still an active Major League Baseball player. It was Chickenpox that sidelined Ozzie Smith in 1992. He missed two weeks of action. And the question that we all knew you would know, Randy, was the Rams beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their final home game in St. Louis on December 17th, 2015. The Rams won that game 31 to 23, and it was the condiment bowl. It was, yeah. gosh, that feels like a lifetime it was ago. Thursday night. Gosh. And then the Rams went out to play two West Coast games. I think it was Seattle and San Francisco, and decided that they would just take their weights out to the West Coast, and they never came back to St. Louis. They just stayed out there between the two West Coast games and then went to LA. And we thought we had a chance with the vote. (laughs) Yeah. No, we really didn't. We didn't. John, thanks so much for playing. Have a great day. Absolutely. Thanks. You too. Appreciate it, John. John with us on 101 ESPN. Earlier today, Michelle and I gave three aspects to the Cardinals that we thought would happen in different levels of confidence in 2020, 2021. Uh, We... dubbed this dry erase pencil or sharpie dry erase you can just wipe off pencil you can erase a little bit and sharpie man it's it's going to happen so for my three i had that for dry erase tyler o'neill would hit 20 home runs you can erase that quickly if you need to my pencil is that yachty would play 130 games and my sharpie michelle is that jack flaherty will lead the cardinals in strikeouts Love all of those, Randy. My dry erase was that Harrison Bader is going to hit around 250 and have a breakout season. My pencil is that Alex Reyes is going to be the Cardinals' fifth starter. And in Sharpie, I feel good about this one, the Cardinals will win the division. Like it. We want to know what you think. You, we want you to give us your dry erase shemp, uh, dry erase <laughs> pencil or Sharpie. I was going to say a... Shemple. Sh- yeah. <laughs> Shemple. I love that. You can send us a text, 65780, to the Air Comfort Service text line or leave a mic drop with the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. That's brought to you by Rhino Shield. But we want to hear from you about what you think of the 2021 Cardinals next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Right now, I think we're pretty confident with the team we have going into camp. 
Um, I wouldn't rule out perhaps a few non-roster invitees that could be added, but overall we feel pretty good about where we are. John Mozeliak yesterday during his Zoom call and what you see is what you get from the Cardinals heading into spring training one week from today. Pretty confident in the team. They have maybe some non-roster additions, but not a Jake Odorizzi or another starting pitcher that had been speculated about. Before we get to your uh, dry erase, pencil, or sharpie, mild controversy about the fight, and the question was, which two players are still active from the 2004 World Series, and some people are thinking Adam Wainwright, who made his debut in 2005. Adam didn't participate in the majors in 2004 and didn't come up until 2005, so Adam Wainwright was not around for the 2004 World Series. So it is Molina and Pujols. Those are the two. There you go. Controversy squashed. That didn't take long. Nope, not at all. All right, we want to hear from you about Cardinal Facts. We want to know what you think you're going to put in a dry erase board. What are you going to use on pencil? And what are you going to use in Sharpie? And John Mozeliak, he's listened to this segment, I guess, because he talked to us about it. I'm using a pencil, not a pen. So just a pencil. Just a pencil. It's erasable. Should we get to the text line? Let's do it. All right. This from the 314. Dry eraser. Carlos Martinez will make 25 starts. Ooh, I like that. Pencil. Dylan Carlson will win rookie of the year. Okay, good one. And in Sharpie, Nolan Arenado and Goldschmidt will combine for 60 homers and 200 RBI. Ooh, I love that. You know, the Cardinals haven't had a 100 RBI guy since 2012, Holiday. I was just going to ask who it was, Holiday. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So if those guys could each get 100 RBIs, that would be awesome. Let's get a mic drop, shall we? John is up and is checked in on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. Written in pencil, Matt Carpenter hits better than 265 in 2021 written in dry erase Danny Mac and Jim Edmonds make me laugh out loud (laughs) with their humor during the broadcast and written in Sharpie we will be moved to tears when we have to say goodbye to Mike Shannon at the end of the year that's a great Sharpie and we will absolutely retiring after this year so Marp hitting better than 265 how about that wool and Dry erase, you know Danny Mac's going to make you laugh. Yeah, Danny Mac and Jimmy together. Yeah, they... you should definitely put that one in Sharpie. Yeah. Um, how about this one, though, from the 618, Randy? Dry erase, Marp will contribute offensively this season. Pencil, Marp will have a two-week stretch that gives false confidence in his ability to contribute. And Sharpie, Marp will be given too many opportunities and not be a valuable asset, with all due respect. <laughs> Said with all due respect. Said with all due respect. So that's a Marp dry erase, pencil, or Sharpie, and I like it. Yes. I I was dreading that his Sharpie was going to be based on that two-week stretch. The Cardinals were going to give him an extension. Oh, Randy, no. (laughs) I thought that was coming. (laughs) I did, too. Devin is next on 101 ESPN. Penciled in, I've got O'Neal going in for 30-plus home runs and touching about 80 RBIs. Dry race board, I'd say we see a breakout year from a rookie pitcher. And with the Sharpie, we're going to see Nolan Arenado Hit 40 home runs. Ooh, 40 for Nolan. And Sharpie. Yeah. He's done it before. Done it in as a player in Colorado. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. If we could count, and I technically he's not a rookie, but I think we can reasonably count Alex Reyes as a rookie, can't we? 
Yeah. So having a breakout year, I think that's a good one to, to put down. I think that's definitely reasonable. Okay. From the 314, dry erase. Jordan Hicks leads the National League in saves. Pencil, Paul mm-hmm. DeYoung is an all-star. Sharpie, Dylan Carlson wins rookie of the year. I like them all, and I love the fact that you have that much confidence in Dylan Carlson because if Carlson is the rookie of the year, the Cardinals, I, I know Mo said they went from good to great with the Arenado trade. Carlson being good enough to be rookie of the year would take them from good to great. If Carlson's good enough to be rookie of the year and you hit him, him second, Goldie third, Arenado fourth, and then just get a representative year out of Paul DeYoung hitting fifth, then you've really got something. You do. I think that's exciting. Okay, I have another one for you. From the 573 dry race, Lane Thomas takes control of the left field competition and hits 20 home runs. Mm. Pencil, Carlos Martinez makes 25 starts. Sharpie, Dylan Carlson wins National League Rookie of the Year. A lot on Carlson. I like the confidence. A lot of people are hyped on Dylan Carlson. And the the durability of Carlos is intriguing to me. We've had multiple people that think that Carlos is going to be durable this year, too. They do. From the 618, dry race, Bader hits over 220. Pencil, Cardinals trade for a legit outfielder. So not as much confidence as some of our other texter. And Sharpie, Cardinals win the division. Okay, that Cardinals winning the division, you made that popular. Well, I don't care what Pakota says, Randy. I don't either. I'm with you. It's not just my confidence in the Cardinals. It's my confidence in the rest of the division to not be that great. I have more faith in your ability to, and and this is because you're brilliant. Thank you. But then Pakota, I... uh, like I said earlier, Pakota's stupid. <laughs> not Bill Pakota, the player, former no, player. of course not. The Pakota standings. Do I need to bring up my Super Bowl predictions again? You picked the Buccaneers, didn't you? I did, yes. You you Everybody wouldn't. else was thinking it was going to be a blowout. I said, no, not so fast. Yeah. I pulled a lead course on you. Not so fast, my friend. Well done. All right. From the 314, dry race. Carlson will have the most starts in the outfielder. An outfield, excuse me. Mm. Pencil, Bader will cement himself into the leadoff spot. Sharpie, Cardinals will have three gold gloves. Sharpie is good. If Bader, man, if he just becomes what he's capable of, he could be a leadoff hitter. He's got to lay off the slider, obviously, from right-handed pitchers. And he's just got to develop some better plate recognition. If he does that... He could be what you're looking for from the leadoff spot. He, uh, I always thought when he came up, and I, I don't feel this right now, but maybe it's still possible. I thought he had like a George Springer type skill set. Mm-hmm. And if, if he can just be patient, I believe that he has those sorts of abilities. He could hit the ball out of the park 25 to 30 times, get on base 36% of the time. He could be a great leadoff hitter. He could. From the 314, dry erase, Harrison Bader leads the team in OBP. Pencil, Jordan Hicks leads the league in saves. Sharpie, Arnado leads the team in home runs. All good. Are you confident in Jordan Hicks leading the team or the league in saves? I think he's capable of doing it, but I wonder what his role is going to be initially because it's been a while since he's he's yeah. played. So I wonder if they're not going to be a little delicate with him initially. Like June 22nd or 3rd of 2019. That's They announced that he was going to undergo Tommy John surgery as I was getting my tattoo affixed. <laughs> Are you serious? With, with our show, yeah, at the Ink Spot in St. Peter's. What a memory. That was the that was the show, yeah. Wow. Someone says that they should we should write the Cardinals win the division in tattoo. 
Wouldn't that be something? That is more permanent than a Sharpie. Th- that is. Would you, yeah. ever, would you ever make another bet with a tattoo? Or, yeah. Because now that you have, they say, Randy, once you get one, it's addicting. And once you get one, you can't stop. Can you confirm or I, deny? I can uh, deny that that is not the case. <laughs> I guess for some people with that sort of a personality, because most people that have tattoos have multiples. But mine was a bet. Yours was a bet, and I'm sorry about that. But actually, I'm not sorry because the Blues won the Cup. You started it. But we did think that it would never happen. We did. We we threw it out there kind of flippantly. Yeah, but once you put it out there on in this forum, in this medium, <laughs> yeah. you got to pay off, right? People don't forget. No. Uh, by the way, I think one of the things that you can look at from the saves perspective with Jordan Hicks is that there really aren't a lot of great closers in the National League. Uh, and it is such a position of, as the experts say, it's a, a fungible position. But uh, I think Brad Hand is with the Mets now, but I don't know if he's going to be the guy there. They put together a pretty good bullpen. Uh, Josh Hader, you don't know how much he has left in the tank. There are mm-hmm. concerns, and the Brewers have been talked about in terms of of moving him for a while now. Yeah. Uh, Mark Melanson with Atlanta. You don't know what he's going to be. So uh, Trevor Rosenthal still hasn't signed. So I would not be surprised if Jordan Hicks would lead the national league in saves. If he is indeed the Cardinal closer on opening day, which he has a chance to prove in spring training. Who else would you put in that conversation for the Cardinals? Mm -hmm. Gallegos and Martinez. I was just, I was curious to see if Martinez was in the mix there. Cause he is, he is for me. Yeah, he's, he's been the most of the guys on the team in big situations. He's been the guy that's done it. Even though Hicks has pitched down a stretch and been great for the Cardinals, Carlos has done it in the playoffs for the Cardinals, which is a different animal altogether. But Hicks is a flamethrower. Yeah, he is. He's great. Ridiculous. So You want, uh, you want one more? Yeah, sure. Okay, dry erase. Tyler Broneal will have an 800 OPS or better. That'd be awesome. Pencil, the Cardinals will have three gold gloves for 2021. Good. That seems to be a popular one. And Sharpie, Nolan Arenado will hit 30-plus home runs and 100 RBI, proving he can hit outside, of course, field P.S. Pocota sucks. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> the Sharpies are great for the confidence in Nolan Arenado. I, I really enjoy that. But why wouldn't you have all the confidence in we him should. until he he proves you wrong? I have complete confidence in him that we're going to be able to see him hit outside of Coors Field. I watched many a highlight of him tearing it up at Wrigley Field, so I'm not concerned. I'm not either. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. He'll he'll be a player that you go to see. He'll be a player that you tune into FS Midwest to watch play. He's that sort of player. Hey, thanks very much for participating. Good to have your texts and your mic drops here with Carriker and Smallman. Next up, Yachty is back. People aren't talking about him for the gold glove. I, I guess we're talking about O'Neill, Arenado, and Goldie, right? Maybe the Cardinals will have four gold glovers. Maybe. But Yachty is is back. Plus, we heard Pakota sucks. Yeah, we'll talk about him next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Thank you. 
9.02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Yadier Molina agreeing to a one-year contract with the Cardinals worth $9 million, and he will pass Bob Gibson, Michelle, and move into second this year with 18 seasons played solely for the Cardinals. That'll trail only Stan Musial's record 22 seasons. And I made this point before, and I think it's really important. The only two Cardinal Hall of Famers that have never played for another franchise are Musial and Gibson. So Yachty, if he winds up his career with the Cardinals and doesn't play somewhere else, can really be even more special in Cardinal lore. It's He's quite literally a living legend. Yeah. And think about that company. And this isn't a regular franchise. This is the St. Louis Cardinals who have one of the most storied histories in all of sports. So for him to be in that conversation and still be playing and still be playing at the level in which he's playing is pretty remarkable. He had a chance to see Carlos Martinez down in the Caribbean playoffs and World Series and was asked yesterday, Yadi was, how Carlos looked down there. Carlos was good. I mean, I saw, I saw Carlos. He looked really good. He looked really good. He looked... Um, Lopin, his fastball, everything was working for him. Uh, he looked more mature, you know, like he's more in the game. I'm, and right now, I'm happy for him. I mean, happy for him. The little that I can see, uh, the game that I face him over there, it was really good. The slider was good. I mean, hopefully he can stay like that for, for us this year. I'm, I'm helping out. I'm glad that heading into his ninth season in the majors, he looks more mature. Isn't that the one word that pops out of anything else yeah. that Yachty said? He talked about how he looked good. He talked about what he saw mechanically from Carlos. But the word mature sticks out more than anything else because that's been one of the issues that the Cardinals have dealt with with Carlos Martinez. Yes, injuries have been a factor, but the mental aspect of things for him has been something that the Cardinals have been battling back and forth with for many seasons. So if he is more mature and he is in a headspace that's positive and he comes in, with a mature approach, with a business-like approach to this, it could be a really big positive for the Cardinals. Now, am I going to write that in Sharpie? Of course not. (laughs) Am I encouraged by the fact that that's something Yadier Molina felt comfortable enough saying publicly? Of course. Now, not only does Martinez come back and not only does Yadi come back, but the Cardinals also add Nolan Arenado. With all of that, how does Yadi feel about the Cardinals' chances to win? We got a pretty good chance to win it. Uh, we got we got a really good team. We got a really good good coaching staff. We got a really good strong offense guys. Like they they're gonna put everything for us to to get the job done. Um, I feel good about about our team. Obviously, uh, like I said before, you when you add the name Arenado in your lineup, it's it's all great and any any lead. So hopefully, like I said, healthy. If we stay healthy, good thing will happen. I trust Yachty saying that we're going to be a good team more than I trust the Pakoda projections <laughs> that came out yesterday, Michelle, that have the Cardinals winning 81 games and finishing behind Milwaukee by eight in the National League Central. Do you think Pakoda also says Yachty isn't a Hall of Famer? Probably. <laughs> yeah. They've got the Mets winning the NL East by 10. They've got the Dodgers winning by seven over the Padres. Yeah, let's see how that looks at the end of the season. By the way, BK did the math. Over the last seven years, the Pocota projections have had the Cardinal have had the Cardinals six short of where they actually wound up on average. This isn't one or two. Six games? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad. Come on. So take it with a grain of salt is all we're saying. Right. Yeah. Just don't get you, too worked you, up over Pocota. You can read the Pocota projections, but they want you to know that they exist and that's why they are there.
Is this, is this one of those things where they like that the takes are so awful and so bad to get everyone worked up about it because then we talk about it? I would think what they do probably is get a group of guys together and throw darts at a dartboard. <laughs> okay, who do we have in first? And then they have like a bunch of numbers. So, okay, the... Next up is the Cardinals. So let's throw the dart. Oh, okay. The dart landed on 80.6. So the Cardinals are going to wind up with 80.6 victories. Okay. Probably the way it works. So that's the science behind it. Yeah. We thought it was math. It's really science. We've had a fun game going this morning, and we are thrilled that you've participated. It's called dry erase pencil or Sharpie. So a Cardinal point that you'll put up in dry erase, which is easily erasable pencil, which is a little bit more difficult to erase, and then Sharpie. That's not going anywhere. No, So you not. write it in Sharpie. It is going to happen, and we appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. From the 314, dry erase, MARP wins comeback player of the year. Wow, that's a bold prediction. It's on dry erase, though. Let's not get too worked up. It's okay. on dry erase. It's on dry erase. Pencil, Carlos Martinez gets traded. I like that one. That's interesting. That is. If he comes back and he's mature and he he shows you something, maybe the Cardinals are able to move him. Who knows? (laughs) And Sharpie, no one, and I mean no one, will miss the annual Fowler and or Wong retooling their swing and spring training reports. That's a Sharpie, yeah. Yeah, and hopefully Colton doesn't have to be sent down by Milwaukee this year to straighten out his swing. Hopefully not. It happened one time, and then they brought him back for a Colton Wong jersey day. (laughs) If you're going to bring him back, that's the day. That's, they almost that's, had to. That's the day. Okay, from the 636, dry race. The Cardinals add a veteran everyday outfielder. Could be at the trade deadline. Okay. Pencil with added bats around him. Paul DeYoung gets 30 home runs. Mm, nice. And 90 RBI. Sharpie, Flaherty bounces back and is in the Cy Young conversation. I agree with that one. I think that's a Sharpie. I would be interested to see if... O'Neal does have a great year, then DeYoung can have a great year. If, if they've got Tyler O'Neill hitting sixth, and he's a guy that is showing a bunch of power, doesn't even have to hit for a high average, but maybe take some walks and hits for a bunch of power, that really could change the lineup dramatically and really benefit Paul DeYoung. And he, DeYoung has hit 30 home runs before, so he could do it again if he's seeing pitches. He has, and what's always been the comment about him, can he do it consistently through yep. the end of the year? Is fatigue going to be a factor? So let's hope it's not. Um, from the 314, dry race, Flaherty finishes in the top five in the Cy Young voting. Pencil, Arenado finishes top five in MVP. Sharpie, the Cardinals beat Kershaw in seven in the NLCS. That's easy. Yeah, if it's Kershaw, Sharpie. Yeah, they're going to handle him no Sharpie. problem at all. No worries. I wonder if the new Cardinals, though, missing Pete Cosma and Matt Adams. Bring Matt Adams back. Free Matt Adams. Free Matt Adams. Just get him here so that we can have him against Kershaw in the playoffs. But who would be the new Matt Adams? Justin Williams. Mm, interesting. And uh, Tommy Edmond would be the new Pete Cosma. It's always got to be Tommy Edmond. Yeah. He's always the he's always the one. Okay, one more, Randy, from the 618. Dry erase, speaking of, Tommy Edmond is going to adjust to how they learn to pitch him, how other teams learn to pitch him. Pencil, Yachty's going to have a better offensive year than in the past few years because there's better players on the team. And in Sharpie, Mike Schultz is going to annoy people with his golly gee, the boys are trying approach. If they're winning, though. If they're trying and winning, I don't think that'll annoy anybody. No. And I appreciate that that's the way that he protects his guys. Yeah. 
He's not he's not saying those things for the fans. He's saying those things for the guys that he has to answer to in the clubhouse. Yeah, I, I think he's figured out the media now. I don't think in his first full season he had that down. I think he's fine with the media now. But I think he is, genuinely is that type of a positive guy. Yeah, oh, he is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that he he sees things through a different lens than fans do. Fans will look at something and look at the negative aspect of it, and he looks at it, and he can see a player making progress in certain ways, and he wants to carry that positive energy back to the clubhouse when he talks to players. One thing about this organization since Tony left is that they are way more big picture than they used to be. And we've told the story before about how Bill DeWitt walked into Tony's office after a loss one night, and he said, I know you're upset. I said, damn right I'm upset because you lost. And he said, I love that about you. But you're thinking just about tonight. I'm thinking about next year, two, three, four, and five years down the road. Mm-hmm. Mike Matheny, Mike Schilt, John Mozalak, all big picture thinkers. And like you said, if a player is getting better or the team plays well and they see things getting better, they're ex- more accepting of an individual loss. And I think if you're a sports fan in St. Louis, Schilt and Craig Berube have opposing approaches a lot of the time. Chief is very direct and in the immediacy of a loss will say, we didn't play hard enough. I don't like it. He's more direct and tough with his approach through the media with the players, whereas Mike Schilt is a little more gentle with the way that he handles things. And we come in because we're fans. We come in on a Wednesday morning. And we're looking at what happened on Tuesday night. Correct. We, we don't care about what happens three weeks right. down the road. We're reacting to what what we just saw. And both approaches can be effective. It depends on the group of players that you are trying to communicate with. And what time of year it is. And what time of year it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for your input. We appreciate you joining us on the text line 65780. Next up. We've got some NFL news and notes and another interesting quarterback situation unfolding. That's coming your way on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Still a lot going on in the NFL, even though the Super Bowl was Sunday. We head into the postseason, and Russell Wilson, Michelle, of the Seattle Seahawks, who's like the nicest guy in the world, always says, go Hawks at the end of interviews. He's expressing a little bit of frustration with the Seattle Seahawks. He was on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday to talk about winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award and was asked about any frustrations he might have in uh, Seattle and whether or not he should be allowed to participate in building that team and having a say in personnel. I think that it's, uh, you know, I, I think that ultimately for me personally, I, you know, I think that I want to be able to ha- be involved because at the end of the day, it's your legacy. It's your team's legacy. It's, you know, it's the guys you get to go into the huddle with. And at the end of the day, those guys, you got to trust, you know, when you think about, you know, one of the reasons why Tom went to Tampa was because he, he felt like he could trust those guys and Bruce was going to give him an opportunity. I think, I think for, you know, every situation, you have to be able to go into a situation you know, you think about guys like LeBron. He was able to, you know, be around great players that he can trust. I think for for me, you know, uh, anytime you bring free agents in, you know, other players, you want the best players, guys who love the game, guys you want to be a part of that. And as a player, you kind of know that. You get to be around Pro Bowls. You get to kind of see these guys. You get to be in the huddle with the linemen or, or receivers or, you know, um, get to be around defensive guys. And so 
you gotta you kind of build that over time and get to see who can really play. You know, as a player, you really know. So I think that um, I think that relationship's really key, and that dialogue between, you know. Um, you know, especially being a veteran player, you, you know, that dialogue is really important. Yeah, but that's a long-winded way of not answering my question. Are you involved in personnel decisions? Have you been involved in personnel decisions? Not not as much. I don't, you know, I think that, uh, you know, for Do you want to be involved, Russ? Yeah, I, I think it helps. I think it helps to, to, to be involved more. Um, but I think that's that dialogue should, should happen more often, in my opinion. Sure, it might help. But then if you're going to give him that opportunity to be involved in personnel, then publicly he has to say who he wants to have cut. Really? Yeah. You, if, you think that that's the the agreement they should come to? Well, if, if you're an NFL team and you're paying a general manager to make personnel decisions mm-hmm. and the quarterback wants to make personnel decisions and has signed a contract to have him make 35 or $40 million a year and wants to bring in player X, then say, well, we're up at the cap because of your salary. So if we're going to bring in player X, what player Y do you think we should get rid of? If they give them the agency to do that, and then yeah, great. But I can't see a scenario in which a player would ever want to call someone out, which is why it's tough. Because he's talking, he's describing the type of players that he wants to be in the huddle with. And if I'm a member of the Seahawks and I'm in that huddle with him, I'm taking offense to that. Are you are you calling me out directly? Are you calling your teammates out directly? You don't think that we're good enough? So without saying anyone's name specifically, mm-hmm. he made it known who he's talking about through the media. But while Deshaun Watson put a lot of this into motion, I think Tom Brady threw gasoline on the fire by winning the Super Bowl because now all of these quarterbacks who are unhappy with certain parts of their situations or maybe the entirety of their situation is looking at someone like Tom Brady who made the choice to leave and was given not only a seat at the table but a seat at the head of the table and who had a massive voice and people listened and with that influence he was able to win a Super Bowl and what happens with professional athletes especially ones who are at the level of Russell Wilson who knows that he is so influential Influential in the outcome of a game. He's thinking no one's listening to me. If my organization would listen to me in the manner in which Tampa Bay listened to Tom Brady, where would we be? I want to say in personnel, I want you to hear me when it comes to my ideas about the scheme. I want you to listen when I tell you what's not working out. And in a situation like that, when you have someone who's as ingrained and who's had as much success as Pete Carroll, that's a, an ego battle there. But my question for him is, is he going to be upset when we get him his left guard at $10 million a year and we can't afford to pay our safety, we can't afford to keep Jamal Adams around mm-hmm. because we got him his guy. Is he going to be happy then? Is he going to be okay with that because he got to choose? Probably not because there's always going to be some part of the equation that falls short. Yeah. So you know what he should do? What he should have done is taking less money. That's why Brady succeeded in New England. Absolutely. And when Wilson signed his contract, he was the highest paid player in the league. That's why you don't have really good players at left guard or at right tackle. It's because you can't afford them because of what you're making. <laughs> but players don't want to hear that. They never no. want to. In that moment, they just want to get what they've earned and they want to get every possible dollar because they're also looking at the scoreboard. They want to be the quarterback that's making X amount of dollars. They yeah. want that 
bragging rights. And for someone like Russell Wilson, he he's earned that big contract. But you're right. That comes at a cost. And usually it's in a position that directly affects you. At the St. Louis Business Journal, Jacob Kern has a great update on the NFL lawsuit that has been filed by the city of St. Louis, the county and the CVC. And the lead to the story is St. Louis top tourism officials are the latest local leaders to resist efforts by the NFL and the Rams to make them sit for depositions in the lawsuit over the team's move. The leaders of the CVC are Kitty Ratcliffe. She is the president and Andrew Leonard, who is the chairman. And they say, according to the Business Journal, that they don't want to be deposed because they're concerned about the amount it'll cost to pay lawyers to sit for depositions. I think that's reasonable. Absolutely. Uh, According to uh, Bob Wallace, the attorney for the CVC, he said, that St. Louis position is not about not wanting to be deposed, but partly an effort to limit legal fees charged to the organization. Which is completely fair. Yeah. There are a couple of notes here. Number one, the uh, Rams and Stan Kroenke are saying that he, and he said this in a deposition, did not, quote, begin exploring relocation options until mid-July 2013. Well... He may not have, but it was certainly being talked about because it was brought up in the interview of Jeff Fisher when they interviewed him for to be the head coach in 2011. So clearly you may not have been exploring options, quote unquote. But if you talk to Jeff Fisher about it during your interview of him in 2011, you were thinking about it. Yes, of course. And. It seems to me, if I'm deciphering this correctly, that Kroenke is trying to shift the timeline and shift the conversation. It says here in the filing made last week, Kroenke clarified in a deposition last month that the statement that you mentioned referred to the dome arbitration and all that was coming that I would assume in the next year or two. So he's trying to say this was all about arbitration and that once Explore St. Louis said it wouldn't move forward with the dome plan, that's when he started exploring other options, which we all know is not true. No. And he never did negotiate. He never met the mayor of the city of St. Louis. He was never involved personally in the negotiations. So that's a pretty disingenuous statement on his part. And by the way, this lawsuit is about things that happened after the lease to the Dome expired anyway. Right. If they, once they went year to year and St. Louis, the, the governor of Missouri, put together the panel that included Bob Blitz and Dave Peacock to build a new stadium. This is about the league leading St. Louis on and making them believe they had a chance to keep the franchise when they had no chance to keep the franchise. St. Louis spending the money to develop a stadium plan, $17 million, when they didn't have a chance, and about the league and the team lying about it. That's what it's about. Not a, has nothing to do with the, the dome lease. But if you're Stan Kroenke and the way that this played out so publicly and kind of recklessly in a way with some of the comments that were made. Mm -hmm. Um, It almost seemed like they thought they were untouchable. And now this lawsuit is coming up. What other argument do you have other than to shift it back to the arbitration about the dome? That's the only argument you have because anything else you're going to say past a certain point in the timeline, there's evidence, hard evidence of things that you said that were not true. And keep this in mind. Explore St. Louis doesn't want to be deposed because they want to Limit legal fees. The CDC, the people that run the Dome, have a budget of five to six million dollars. And what their job is, is to promote St. Louis. Mm-hmm. They're, 
the Rams asked for $700 million in improvements to the dome under the lease with the knowledge they knew because I knew they had to know that the CBC is not a fundraising operation. They aren't somebody who can go out and tax to make $700 million. There was a limit, and it, they were stretching their limit with a $124 million offer to, tr- to do what they could to improve the Dome. The Rams knew that there was absolutely no chance that the CBC could live up to that top-tier standard. On the day he bought that franchise, took over the franchise in 2010, approved in August of 2010, Shane Crockey knew there was no way that that stadium, according to the terms of the lease, could be upgraded to the level that he desired. And, hey, did he get out of it? Yes. The problem here isn't that he got out of it and moved. The problem is is that the, the league lied to St. Louis about being able to keep the team. And that lie caused significant financial burden for the city. Right. Right. It's, it's not just a lie. It's that you made St. Louis go through the dog and pony show that cost a lot of money at the detriment to the city. Yeah. Now, let me make one other point here, because part of this that the league and the Rams are claiming that uh, Kitty Ratcliffe was involved in the effort to keep the team here. And she said that Explore St. Louis and the city would benefit from the Rams vacating the dome. OK, here is what she said and was talking about and they're completely misconstruing what she said and by the way i'm i'm not a huge fan of kitty ratcliffe but i will say this i know for a fact that the rams were paying twenty five thousand dollars a game the lease was two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to play in the dome every time the city and the dome opened the doors for the rams to play it cost them a minimum of forty thousand dollars rams paying twenty five thousand dollars a game dome opening costs $40,000 a game. That's a loss for the CVC of $15,000 a game, $150,000 a year that they had to pay because of the lease for the dome to be open. So yes, financially, it did make sense for her to say that, that the city and the CVC, Explore St. Louis, would benefit from the Rams vacating because it would save them $150,000 a year for an operation that doesn't have a huge budget. I think that's an important piece of this. I don't think a lot of people realize that St. Louis, that this was costing people money to open the doors for a game. Yeah. You would never think that. You would assume it's a a pro sporting event. You're going to just generate a lot of revenue. But the Rams didn't have to pay it. That was the key. The, The Rams never were going to be, with that lease, it was never going to be a level playing field so that they were paying as much as it took to stage a game on game day. Wow. And there was a lot more that CBC paid, putting new turf in, putting in new uh, scoreboards, uh, the the new locker rooms that they built. They put a lot of money into the stadium. Was it up to the standards that the NFL wanted? No. But could they have played football there? Yeah. So anyway, I I don't think, and I'm not a lawyer, I'll, I'll, I'll start by saying this, but I don't think that the arguments that Kroenke is trying to make as uh, as my cousin Vinny Vincent Gambino would say, does the case hold water? Uh, the Stan Kroenke case. No, no, it doesn't hold water. No water. There's no. holes. The water's poking through. <laughs> but yeah, so. if, it, if this is what we're seeing early, early reports on what their case is going to be, yeah, it, does, it does not seem like a great argument on their side. The, the thing that Blitz convinced a jury of is that Kevin Demoff and the NFL lied. <laughs> That's all? 
all they don't even need to call a witness. All they need to do is show Kevin Demoff video to prove that. They, the, St. Louis could win their case based on what they're asking for just with video that Kevin Demoff has. Yeah. Makes makes you think that they probably shouldn't have said so many things publicly yeah. if they knew that all this was happening behind the scenes. But I think if you're in this NFL circle, you think that nothing is ever going to come back to bite you. You think that you can do whatever you want and that there is going to be no consequences. And up until this point, they've gotten everything they've wanted. They found somebody in Stan Kroenke to finally build them a stadium in California. They were able to arrange the puzzle pieces the way that they want. The stadium is up and running. They're hoping to have fans back. They're, of course, going to have this big fanfare. There's going to be tons of NFL media there. Everything that they looked at down the road so far is coming to fruition, and they didn't think that they could lie to a city and have to pay for it because they've done it in the past and never had to deal with anything like this. But you know what? They didn't realize who they were messing with. No. In our city. (laughs) Hey, we're the murder capital of the world. Don't mess with us. Most dangerous city in America, okay? You bet. Don't mess with us. (laughs) Yeah, we need to clean that up, too. NFL News and Notes on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, this is always fun. It's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. I feel like we should rename this to what's happening in the quarterback world because (laughs) there's an unprecedented amount of quarterback movement right now and quarterback gossip that's in the... There's hot gossip in the streets, Randy, about quarterbacks. (laughs) Um, But one quarterback that we haven't talked about a whole lot recently is Dak Prescott. The Cowboys yesterday released an off-season hype video. There's all these scenes of different players and everyone getting pumped up for the season but there was one person missing randy from that video and that was their quarterback Dak prescott oh my and we know that Dak missed the final 11 games of the season after he had a fracture in his ankle he was rehabbing but still you would think if the cowboys very much intended for Dak prescott to be a part of their team moving forward that they would include oh i don't know the franchise quarterback in the hype video yeah i haven't seen the hype video but i i guess you have receivers who's throwing the ball to them i guess you have ezekiel elliott jalen smith who else do you put on a hype video do you put alden smith on a hype video if you're the cowboy how do you build a hype video if you're the cowboys without dak prescott unless you don't think he's going to be there now i know marcus spears was on espn yesterday and he said he spoke to someone in the cowboys circle that said that this was an error but it seems like a pretty pointed move from the team This is like unliking somebody on social media yeah this is definitely the unfollow and it seems like if Dak Prescott is at the forefront of your mind getting a deal done with him, oh, and by the way, it has been for the past two seasons, this conversation has been swirling about what the Cowboys value is of Dak Prescott and what he believes his value to be. You would think even if you wanted him to come back, you would make sure that he was included in that video. And Max Kellerman was on first take yesterday, Randy, and he says that the Cowboys have tipped their hand. They showed us what they think. The Cowboys must be looking at the Rams and the Eagles right now and thinking, like, could you imagine if the Eagles didn't have to take the cap hit that they're going to have to take to trade Wentz? Yeah, they would, get, they would get a better deal for him and they'd have a better cap situation. The Cowboys have to be considering that. Right now, Dak is a tradable commodity that doesn't hurt them to trade, really. 
You give them a big deal, it hurts them to trade. And if there are 18-plus quarterbacks on the move this offseason, this tells me Dak is one of them. Or you include him in the hype video. This tells me he's going to be one of them. Right? The thing is, it does not... It, it doesn't hurt them from a financial standpoint. It hurts them from a football standpoint. Who are they going to get that's better than Dak Prescott? And they have control of him. They, For a couple more years, they can franchise him and have him there. I don't know that they're going to be able to go out and find somebody better than Dak in Dallas. Probably not. And not only from a production standpoint on the field, but it seems like he's such a great leader and that everybody loved him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope he leaves. I hope it's a big mess for them because we don't want to see Jerry Jones have success, but also because I think the way that they've treated him publicly, he didn't deserve that. He's done everything that they have asked of him, and he's been a productive player for them. And perhaps he is aware enough to look around and recognize, you know what, as long as Jerry Jones owns this thing, I'm not going to win a Super Bowl. Probably. Because he's not. And it's probably harder to recognize that if you live in Dallas and you're close to it. But you, you get a, get far away and you can see that Jerry Jones is just going to mess things up. You're killing me, Smalls. I feel like we should get a wheel and it's just whatever team it lands on or whatever quarterback it lands on, we give you the updated news. But a lot of people certainly talking about Carson Wentz. And Adam Schefter was on SportsCenter and he said, he reported, I should say, that the Eagles are waiting for a Stafford-like offer for Carson Wentz. Howie Roseman has received good offers for Wentz, but he's waiting for a great one. And I don't know what kind of a package Howie Roseman is eyeing what he thinks he's going to get but right now reportedly the two teams that are at the top of the list when it comes to Carson Wentz are the Colts and the Bears and Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk said this he said if I'm Wentz I strongly prefer the Colts over the Bears and I was told he does I was told by some people I trust that he prefers the Colts situation certainly and that's not Completely shocking when you think about the construction of both teams and, of course, Frank Reich being in Indianapolis and the connection that they have. But I wonder if the Colts are willing to give the package that the Eagles are waiting for. If I were Wentz, I would feel the same way. If I were the Colts, see, the thing is, are the Bears going to trade up again? like they did three years ago for Trubisky. Trubisky. That's a real gamble, If you, especially with the way Carson Wentz is perceived to have played last year. And he did play that way last year. He, he was not good. There were a lot of extenuating circumstances. But the Bears used the number three pick in the draft plus a third rounder and a fourth rounder and a third round pick the next year. So they, they gave up, uh, just to move up one spot, they gave up, Two threes and a four. Uh, That's not too bad. I guess the Bears could do that again. But would I give up two number ones like the Rams did for Matthew Stafford? No, I wouldn't give that up for Carson Wentz. No way. No way. Now, if I'm Indy, do I give up my number one and maybe a number four? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. If you're a Bears fan... And you know that the front office hasn't done great when it comes to the quarterback selection. And you're looking at all 
couple of these quarterbacks that could potentially be on the move. And you know that the front office is going to have to give up some sort of capital, whether it's from the draft or otherwise, to get one of these guys. You could put your head down at night and feel good about it if it's Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. You could feel good about it if it's Dak Prescott. There are a bunch of names on that list that if you're a Bears fan, you could feel like, hey, you know what? This front office went out and redeemed themselves. Yeah, they had to give something up, but they got what I know to be a proven commodity. You're going to give up picks for someone like Carson Wentz, who at times has proven in the past many years ago Mm -hmm. that he was a guy that we all thought could be the MVP of the league. But the play hasn't been there. It seems like all the reports that we're getting out of Philadelphia that we should trust say that he hasn't necessarily been coachable. And now, I don't know. I just don't know how, if you're Chicago, you sell that to your fan base. Especially if you're going to be giving up assets again. If you do the exact same thing that you did with to, to get Trubisky. If you're going to give up four choices for Trubisky and then four choices over the course of four years for Carson Wentz, how do you get help for that quarterback? Yes. At some point, you need to get players into their system. And I, I would think that they could go into free agency and find somebody or find a player that's going to be traded for less. Don't give up all of those assets to replace Mitchell Trubisky with Carson Wentz. Because at this stage, even though Carson Wentz started off MVP quality rookie year, do you really, or maybe second year, do you really want to have a situation where you have another Mitchell Trubisky, which is essentially what Wentz is thought to be in Philly? No, absolutely not. Can you imagine? No. 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 You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, well, speaking of Mitchell Trubisky, Randy will close it out with this. David Katman, who we know, ESPN 1000, is very plugged in on the Chicago scene, says that it seems like Trubisky, who's heading into free agency, and the Bears have no interest in a reunion this offseason. Cap said, I've talked to people who are close to Mitchell Trubisky. He has zero interest in coming back here. I've also talked to people who are close to Matt Nagy, and they have zero interest in him coming back here. (laughs) (laughs) So a clean break, it seems like, for Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears. I wonder where he goes There's been a lot of speculation that Carolina would be interested in upgrading from Teddy Bridgewater. But I wonder if he's a guy that could be a backup there with a a former college coach in Matt Rule. He's got to land in a place where he can sit for a year and just watch somebody else play. Backup to Tom Brady. That's exactly what I was thinking. Wouldn't that be the perfect spot for him? Something like that where... He, he can learn how to play because he just didn't learn how to play in Chicago. And the the situation there is so tainted. There's yeah. no coming back from no, it. No, no. At all. So no. they're both parties are correct to just kind of wipe their hands of it and move forward. And it looks, by the way, speaking of quarterbacks, Josh Rosen signs a one-year deal with the Niners, and it looks like he's going to be their backup next year to right. Garoppolo, if they keep Garoppolo. But he's going to be there, and that might be a great spot for him. Learning under Kyle Shanahan. And learning how to play the position, that might be a a great thing for Josh Rosen. He's been in bad situations. He has. I thought he was going to be the best quarterback coming out of that draft. I did too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Shows what we know. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we're going to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin. The Dan McLaughlin Show featuring BK coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs)
Dan McLaughlin is here. He's one of the most philanthropic people in our town. He's great for the St. Louis community. And Dan, on Friday morning, folks can participate in the 21st annual Hardy's Rise and Shine for Heat fundraiser. I'm going to get a biscuit. I love to hear that. You can stop by any participating Hardy's in the Bi-State area Friday morning between 6 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and grab a sausage biscuit or an egg biscuit for the special price of just $1. And 100% of the proceeds of all the funds collected that day are going to help heat up St. Louis, which supports people in need in both Missouri and Illinois. So help heat up the St. Louis region this Friday morning at any participating Hardy's. Michelle and Emma Emily, sausage biscuit or egg biscuit? Ooh. Let's go sausage. Okay, you got sausage. Emily? Sausage. All right. You guys got biscuits. And Danny? If, oh, you're going to be here. Sausage. Yeah, I, I go sausage. I just love the actual biscuit. Yes, yeah, same, okay. same. So Good. if it all falls apart, as long as so, I have the biscuit. Agreed. Okay. Three yeah. sausage biscuits. <laughs> Dan is with us, by the way, if you aren't aware of it. Uh, Dan, starting last week and uh, for the rest of time, will be with us. <laughs> I love how you started uh, the show the other day. The rest of time. The yeah. rest of time. Hen- henceforth. Yeah. Henceforth, the rest of time. Uh, Dan is with us on uh, Thursday and Friday mornings, and we always enjoy that. So uh, yeah. it's good to have you here in studio today. Hey, great to be here. Uh, lots to talk about with uh, BK coming up at 10. I had to think about that. I've only been doing it for about a year. Um, let's see. We'll get into Pakoda. You guys get into the the rankings and the how they evaluate and all that kind Dan, of stuff. I love math. I know you do. And that's why you're just... Um, I'm a jerk? No, you, you are. Hey, you are a math guy. As much as you may claim... Not to be Michelle, as mm-hmm. he, he, he plays mm-hmm. this, oh, I just love math. He loves math. He did have a pretty strong take on Pakoda today, though, Dan. What did you say? I said Pakoda sucks. <laughs> so right. here's what I'm thinking. Why don't you stick around for the interview with the guy from Pakoda? Bill. It's, uh, is it Bill Pakoda, the former royal? I No, it's not Bill Pakoda. Okay. And it's not Abe either. Okay. Hey, Pakoda. Okay. Yeah, I remember All right. him. All right. So here's what I'm thinking is that. That's what I think every time I hear Pakoda. Sorry. A group of guys get a dartboard. And they st- they've got one with all the teams. And then they've got one with a bunch of numbers between uh, like 76 and 103. So you throw a dart, lands on the Cardinals. Then you throw a dart at the other board, lands on. 81, and that's how you come and up Then you with come it. up with it. Yeah, sometimes you think that's how they do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love BK's, and, and I hope BK uses his stats that he had yesterday, which were great, about the last six years or whatever. I, I just don't uh, quite understand it. I, I think when you look at the season, you have to, like, how do you not look at this year and go, okay, we're coming off of 60 games, and we're all in a room, and we say, well, what's the most important thing you think for teams going forward coming off of 60 games? Well, they better have a lot of pitching. Now, if you have Trevor Bauer and Clayton Kershaw and, you know, the guys that the the uh, Dodgers are rolling out, you say, well, that's really good pitching. Okay, sure. but, you know, for the other teams, you know, the mid-market, lower markets, uh, you know, the the, the the top third, but the, the bottom of the top third, what, what, do we, what do we need? Well, we need a lot of arms. Okay, who's got a lot of arms? All right, let's break that down. You know, I, I just think that the Cardinals have that. Now, on the flip side, I could say Wainwright's going to turn 40 in the season. Mm-hmm. I'd say Michaelis is coming off uh, an injury, so there's iffiness with that. They don't have Dakota Hudson, who is a big loss, which doesn't get enough credit. Yep. Uh, not credit, but doesn't get enough um, exposure to how that could hurt the rotation. And then your fifth starter spot is up, and Carlos Martinez was terrible last year, and you don't know about Alex Reyes. I th- Those are facts. But then you go down the line and you say, 
all right, if things do go to plan and and maybe even if some of those guys don't um, perform at the level that, that the Cardinals are hoping, there are fallbacks there. And a lot of teams are looking at six-man rotations or piggybacks or, you know, those kind of things in the first month and the second month of the season just to get through 162. And that's where the Cardinals have very good arms. And I think that's how they can win some of these games. I really do. I would like to know what they think makes the Brewers nine games better than the Cardinals. I, I didn't understand that one. Now, if I think the Brewers, this is just me thinking out, out loud here. I think the Brewers are laying in the weeds on Justin Turner. They need a third baseman. Mm-hmm. I could see them getting. I, like him. I, I I could see him getting Justin Turner. Now all of a sudden you had Justin Turner, Colton Wong. You move Hera to first. You you're getting Lorenzo Cain back. You, you'd love to think that um, Yelich is. You know it's a sixty games like we talk about all the time. He's back to MVP form. That's a good team, even with you know some question marks with their pitching. So we'll see. We'll see. But nine games difference. I yeah. don't think so. Nine games. That seems like a significant amount. Yeah. And there are a lot of numbers that they're probably factoring into this from a 2020 season that when you look at the numbers that the Cardinals had, how do you factor in COVID? How do you factor in some of the production that we saw from players based on what they were dealing with? And that's the question I want to ask them is, are your projections totally based on just last year looking at COVID and saying, okay, this is what this player is because if it is, then I, I don't trust any of it. If it's based on looking at 2019 and a little bit of COVID, you know, how you come up with it, I don't know. Then I can say, okay, you, you made your case. But if it's all based on just the 60 games in COVID, I'm, I'm throwing that out the window. Tony LaRusso used the line famously, and Mike Schilt uses the line, they're men, not machines. And yep. at the end of the day, you cannot predict what a baseball player is going to do because he's a human being. Yep. And that's why I said last year, uh, this is Homer uh, Broadcaster 101. It's H-O-M-E-R. <laughs> okay, yeah. 101. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well done. See, we're, we're working at one. Okay. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Do Did you know our call letters, W-X-O-S, are like X's and O's? You ever think of that? Oh, no, I didn't. But that's great. I have. And I uh, every time I put in the promo code for... FanDuel. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. the FanDuel Sports Book Paradise app. That's right. Thank you, Randy. Um, so Homer 101 would, would say to me that looking back on a 60 game season in which a team was shut down 17 days and to get into postseason play, men, not machines, mm-hmm. guys throwing balls off of mattresses, mm-hmm. it's pretty darn good. Also, it was a pretty, pretty impressive yeah. season. I wonder what the projections from the numbers would have been on Adam Wainwright last year. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have thought that he would no be, way. be capable of doing what he did. Now, I wonder if you are better off with Waino. And it's something I've thought about. Are you better off with a guy with that mileage and he's going to be 40 to not skip starts early, but if you can buy him time um, or how, how quickly do you want to give him a hook early in a season? And, and it might be with everybody, but especially with guys that you want to keep them fresh for when it matters most. And I'm not saying that the games early don't matter. Obviously they do, but if you can really keep him because for 60 games, he was awfully good. Yep. What would it look like for 160? Right. You know, would it would have been the wear and tear kind of worn him out? It's just, ah, you know, you're, you're 39 years old with a lot of mileage. You know, that's something to think about. And another thing to think about, it wouldn't break my heart because they say Michaelis is good to go. So if you have Flaherty, KK, Michaelis, Wainwright, Martinez, and Reyes. Six man. Go with a six man rotation early in the season. I really have thought about that. 
I, I've thought about doing that. I've thought about if you have those off days, can you skip a guy if he needs it mm-hmm. or just tell him you're going to skip him? I, and I know starters are creatures of habit and they don't like that. But this might be the time that you just kind of enforce it and say, hey, for the betterment of your body and what we're thinking, and even if you come back out and you're feeling a little disjointed or what, your rhythm's a little messed up, that's okay. We're, we're, built, we're kind of putting innings in the bank is what we're trying yeah. to do. And maybe they do that. We'll so see. former Royal Bill Picota. Yes. <laughs> on the show today. Abe. Abe Picota. <laughs> what was his name in the show? Fish? Yeah. It was great. I loved him. He was it awesome. It was uh, Barney Miller. It was yeah. before your time. Oh, okay. You would have really liked it, though, I think. Yeah. What was the show? Barney Miller. Oh, the show was called Barney Miller. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. It was good. I liked it. Good. Uh, You're great. old, Randy. I know I am. No, we are. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. But I'm older than you. I know. So what does that make you? Really, really old? Uncle least, Randy. Uh, Uncle Randy, yeah. So, exactly. I'm at heart. Mm-hmm. And so I do uh, hip-hop now and then. So I Oh, I, I favorited uh, Michelle's <laughs> Twitter. Oh, that's right. Yes. With the uh, yeah. picture of your... Former rap days. Very I, nice. I think that was cover art for the mixtape. It really was. He had the teardrop. He <laughs> oh, had everything. Right? It was great. Uh, <laughs> thanks to our producer engineer, Emily. It's awesome. Thanks. Great job as always. Thank you. That's Emily Butcher. Uh, Michelle, this was fun. It was. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And we thank you for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. Until tomorrow morning at 7 when Michelle and Dan and I am uh, Emily will be here. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.